Welcome. We have been waiting for you. They do not want you to be here. But where others fail, you will succeed. Forget the cell. In this space, time is endless. You are now experiencing the fourth dimension. Are you ready for what lies ahead? Your mind will transcend reality. Your consciousness will be sharpened like a sword. You will lose all connection to the outside world. And nothing will ever be the same again. You have arrived. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello everyone, welcome. Welcome to another Thursday night free-for-all. What an absolute pleasure to see you there. Thanks everyone for joining, thanks for sharing, thanks for being part of it. Hopefully we're going to have a little fun. Got plenty of stuff lined up for you. <clears throat> Some plenty of weird and wonderful stories from around the web. We'll do a little bit of politics, we'll do a little bit of serious. But thanks so much for being here. Hopefully you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sweat. You'll end the night crumpled up in a mess on the floor, which is exactly <laughs> the kind of effect that I usually have on people in person. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to the people joining us over on YouTube, by the way. Make Me Texas, James R's over there, Dana, Bonnie, says hello from Kentucky. I appreciate it. Is the intro already over? Yes, it was only 12 minutes in. <laughs> Thanks for your patience. <laughs> An absolute pleasure. So yeah, we're back on YouTube. Uh, reason being, we were using a another platform called Stream.me and it was unceremoniously taken from the internet last week. And I have no idea why or how, but it's just gone. So 
<laughs> we've had to go back. Back with our tail between our legs, back to YouTube. Mm, can I come back? Can I come back, please, Mr. YouTube? I'm sorry. You know, hey, you know, sometimes we say things that we don't mean in the heat of the moment. You know, sometimes our emotions get the better of us. Like, you know, I still love you, right? You know, like, you know, you'll always be a special part of my life, YouTube. So, you know, can, are we cool? Can we still be friends? Is that okay? And of course, the good people on Periscope, trusty Periscope. We're going to have an absolute ball. Thanks for joining us. Like I said, we'll do a little bit of politics. I've got some weird and wonderful stories from around the web. By the way, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can support the show by heading over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to accuse me of a sexist rant about Captain Marvel, because we're going to get into Captain Marvel, the superhero stuff. Once the domain of squirrely, nerdy guys with Coke bottle glasses and serious vitamin B deficiencies... Now the, the now the final frontier for feminist fantasy porn. So we're going to get into that. Should be a little bit of fun. I don't want to waste too time too much time on a monologue, but I just want to follow up on what the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com said James R in his last periscope about growth. Donald Trump growing the economy. Here's the thing, like this is where idealism can get you into a lot of trouble. People who know me would know that uh, economically, I'm pretty far right. Like, I don't want the government spending, I don't want the government taxing a penny more than they absolutely necessarily have to. And I want them spending even less than that. So I'm somebody that like looks at the economy and looks at the amount the government's spending. And my ideal scenario would just to be have savage cuts across the board because we need them. You know, debt in the Western world is running out of control. And it's going to get to a point where, you know, people say when everybody needs welfare, we need welfare, we need welfare. But when everything collapses, then nobody gets welfare. Nobody gets free hospital visits. Nobody gets subsidies when there's no money left. Nobody gets any foreign aid when the most powerful economies collapse. So we're hurtling towards this debt cliff at 100 miles an hour. And like I said, ideally, savage cuts are needed like yesterday, like 10 years ago. But the problem is, pragmatically, if you're a politician and you run on a platform of introducing savage cuts, there's absolutely no way that you're going to get voted in. (laughs) Simple as that. If you're in government and you introduce savage cuts, you'll be kicked out. And there's a lot of reasons for this. And one of them, you know, people would talk about the age of entitlement. It's funny because people generally accept that we need cuts somewhere in government spending, but they don't want them to cut their money. You know, don't take my money, take his money. I need my money. I need my government subsidy. I need my welfare. But that guy down the road, fuck him. Take his money, not mine, right? And then if you're, you know, a fiscal conservative, by introducing savage cuts, well, you're probably handing the White House to a socialist who is going to blame capitalism for the hard shift that socialisation 
of the economy has caused in the first place, i.e. too much government spending. So people, like I said, idealistic people on my side of the economic spectrum will say Donald Trump's horrible because he's, you know, he's spending more, he's upping the welfare bill, and he's not cutting enough. And I say, yeah, that's a fair criticism, but what the hell are you, what the hell do you expect him to do? Because if he does introduce savage cuts, then everything's gone. You hand the you hand the White House back to a socialist, and the economy collapses anyway. Therefore, pragmatically, the only option is growth. Attempt to grow out of it, and it might be like a one in one thousand shot that it's going to work. But conversely, running on a platform of savage cuts and economic idealist purity, in that sense, leads only to monumental defeat. So I don't know what the, what the hell people expect him to do. I don't know what they think is possible. When people aren't willing to accept cuts... Perhaps the only way to introduce cuts is if you grow the economy, people make a little bit more money, they become a little bit more prosperous, and then they might be willing to entertain the idea of cuts in other parts of the economy. But not now. Sometimes you have to think beyond the ideal scenario and just work with what you have. And like I said, in my opinion, I could be wrong. But it looks to me like growth is the only option. So thanks everyone for joining us. Periscope and YouTubers, an absolute pleasure to be with you. Like I said, we've got plenty to go through. I hope you're ready for a marathon. Loosen up, pour yourself a drink. I've got so much shit here. <laughs> so much. Plus, we'll get to your tweets as well that you sent in. But let's kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the shredder. <laughs> Time for the shredder. <clears throat> Pardon me. Let's rock and roll. Let's kick this pig. Let's fuck this chicken. Let's get going. Speaking of Donald Trump, my personal favorite salon, something is seriously wrong with Donald Trump. Let's stop kidding ourselves about that. Let's stop kidding ourselves, okay? Let's be serious, okay? Let's just be serious. The guy's a fruitcake. He's a whack job, okay? Let's just, let's be, let's stop kidding ourselves. <laughs> you know, all of the people walking around that say, he's not crazy, you're crazy. Well, I'm afraid you're crazy. Whether it was genuine madness or all an act, Donald Trump's CPAC creep show <laughs> was evidence of profound crisis. Profound crisis. <laughs> if you've only watched the clips and highlights from Donald Trump's CPAC speech last Saturday, which are uh, unfortunately... I'm here to report for Salon that everybody in the crowd and everybody who watched it was in rapturous applause. Like, oh, this is this is vintage Trump. This is gold standard, gold-plated Trump, which is pretty much everything Trump does, to be fair. I mean, even in the building game. Uh, everybody else has been so quick to say, oh, it was, it was rambling, it was incoherent, it was nonsense. He's crazy, you know. He's, there's something seriously wrong with this. Like, seriously, Betty. Seriously wrong with this guy. If you only watch the clips and highlights from Donald Trump's CPAC speech last Saturday, you're not getting the full picture of the explosive horror show 
<laughs> that is the worsening status of the president's mental health. For reasons that defy comprehension, I decided to watch the whole thing live. Bravo. Bravo. Can we just give a little tip of the hat to the author of Salon who actually sat down, well, you know, allegedly, but actually sat down and watched the whole thing? Because that's so rare. So many of the articles that I read on these kinds of sources about Donald Trump's CPAC speech, they openly admitted to not watching it. <laughs> like, I'm not watching that. I'm not watching that. It's crazy. He's crazy. He's mad. I'm not watching him speak for two hours. By the way, it was horrible. Like, so credit to the salon writer for actually watching it. Bravo. Doing a little bit of journalistic work for a change. I was, I was, I was gazumped. I was befuddled. Couldn't believe my eyes. At the outset, I tweeted that given the Michael Cohen testimony in the immediate rearview mirror, Trump's CPAC speech was going to be, quote, next level crazy. In hindsight, I feel like I lowballed it. Before we continue, I'd like to emphasize that I am not a mental health professional, nor am I an expert in the pharmacological effects of cognitive enhancers like Adderall or Provigil to make a judgment call on the specifics of what's wrong with the president. That's a nice qualifier. I have nothing I have no idea about mental health or pharmaceutical drugs, but here's why in my opinion this guy is fucking cuckoo. However, I can say with confidence that something's extraordinarily wrong with him. Takes one to know one. Ah, oh, that was cheap. That was che- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can do better than that. Give me another chance. I can do better. And it's only getting more dangerous for the nation and by extension, the world as time advances. At CPAC, Trump ricocheted from his prepared teleprompter remarks into what can only be described as a herky-jerky stream of conscious creep show. (laughs) A Willy Wonka ride into the dark. (laughs) Where I I, I like the Willy Wonka reference because I I can really see Donald Trump, you know, um, pushing entitled children into the furnace can't you i think it suits his character down to a t there's no certain way of knowing which direction we are going going a twisted world of trump's increasingly haunted and scattered brain (laughs) there was sweaty red-faced performance art American flag leg humping. This is fantastic writing. Bizarre and often shouty anecdotes leading nowhere. Insults and obscenities directed at his enemies, both real and imagined. Mean-spirited attempts at jokes. Unabridged fear-mongering about infanticide and murderous immigrants. Bug-eyed facial contortions. Oh, I wouldn't be going there if I was Salon. Bug-eyed facial contortions. I mean... We could pull up 5,000 YouTube videos right now about some of your your favourite politicians and political celebrities in the modern age and their particular quirks, facial quirks, their bug-eyed facial contortions. More terrifying than the Momo Challenge and other knee-jerk outbursts that defy description. Remember during the 2016 campaign when Trump mocked Serge Kovaleski's disability? Imagine that for two hours and 20 minutes from a man who has now got the the nuclear launch codes in his pants pocket. The president is unfit to continue serving. This 
is a crisis. <laughs> I love that they bring up the 2016 campaign because do you remember... Two can play that game. Do you remember when, during the 2016 campaign, people were raising concerns about the health of Hillary Clinton when her bug-eyed facial contortions, coughing fits, and, you know, unexplainable collapses for no reason whatsoever led some people to ask, gee, do you think there might be something wrong with old girl? Do you think there might be something wrong with Hills? Think she might have some kind of health problem? And it was like, shut up, you sexist. How, how dare you question Hillary Clinton's health? She's a she's in a peak phys- physical performance. She could run a marathon right now. She could run a marathon. She's fine. Forget about it. She's fine. It's like, you know, the body is behind you, starting to stink up the place. You're like, what are you talking about? She's fine. Look at her move. You pick up her arm. Hey, wave, Hillary. She's fine. Don't worry about it. In- Indeed. No president before, and especially since Trinity, has acted like this in public until Trump. Why? It's chiefly because presidents with access to weapons of mass destruction, specifically an American nuclear arsenal that could destroy the world a thousand times over, are elected partly based on their sobriety and mental stability. (laughs) What an absolute fucking laugh that is. JFK was on so many drugs, prescription drugs, that he could piss on a cigarette paper and the guys from Rolling Stone could smoke it and be high for the next 25 fucking years. That's how that's how many drugs JFK was on. Oh, we we only elect people who are sober and <laughs> mentally stable. Right. Right. <laughs> I, one one would struggle to calculate the amount of cocaine that Bill Clinton has taken in his lifetime, I think. Like it would put, you know, that last scene in Scarface where he just pounds his face on the desk and there's like a Mount Everest of coke in front of him. It's like, he's got blow all over his face and over his suit. Like Bill Clinton would walk in and go, hey, I thought, I thought you said we were going to party. What the hell is this? What, do you got to go to work? You got somewhere to be? Where's the rest of it? We need our presidents to have immensely sound judgment so that the use of the aforementioned nuclear codes is preceded by sound thought, emotional clarity, and informed deliberation. See, this might make more sense if Donald Trump had actually launched a nuke at somebody. What the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) There there has been no nuclear launch, so why are you saying, we can't let this guy have the nuclear codes? He's unhinged. He's on drugs. He's, He's mentally incapable. It's like, well, wait, what has he nuked? What has he blown up? I think he's dropped like 5% of the bombs that Barack Obama did in his first two and a bit years. You want a piece? You want a piece of me? Says Ducks Regents. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. Trump appears to possess none of these traits, nor is he inclined to even fake it. His judgment was never stellar, and it's only disintegrating further as the rigors of the job worsen while law enforcement closes in. Oh, yes. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when I nuke on you? Again, I don't possess the psychological expertise to diagnose whether his behaviour is reflective of mental illness or whether it's a politically motivated act for the enjoyment of the Red Hats. The Red Hats. (laughs) If it's an act, it's just as bad and still perhaps indicative of a mental health condition. In of itself... 
Acting like a mentally ill chief executive, a mad king displays an absence of sound judgment, highlighting a disconnect from social and political norms, as well as telegraphing a profound degree of ignorance about why such an act is unacceptable. Bravo. Bravo, Salon. I, I, when I was reading that last part, something flashed across, across my brain. Do you remember when the Democrats uh, had a sit-in in the House of Congress and all of these fully grown adults were sitting on the floor and crying like babies because nobody would listen to their, their whining, you know, prognostications about gun violence? Do you remember that? And they're like, I'm not going anywhere until we vote on this. I'm, I'm staying right here. And people are like, come on, get up. You can't just sit on the floor. Like, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. You're not my dad. Shut up. I'm not going anywhere. Shut up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, we'd hate to have our political representatives acting like mentally unhinged children now, wouldn't we? When it suits us. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that was... Now you face the Shredder. <laughs> Just before we get to the Captain Marvel stuff, got a short little video ensemble here. Lady Fritzer says, fake news, any enemy of the people. Mate Mind te- Texas says, the storm is already real. It's just sprinkling right now. Nathan says, thanks for joining us. You know the speech was good because they're bashing it. <laughs> Mike says, liberals whining? Which time? What, are you, what the hell are you talking about, Boogie? <laughs> fake news. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Mike. So I thought this was fun. Apparently, Ocasio-Cortez and Pelosi have joined forces. One can only imagine the type of powerful political machine that is going to be created from the melding of these two individuals. Let's take a little look-see. Freshman Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez now aligning with the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. After a rather rocky start, Jason Carroll is out front. Seems like only yesterday when it appeared Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and freshman upstart Congresswoman Alexandra. Yesterday, all the commies seem so far away. My 80th birthday is today. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly. I need to wear diapers when I go pee. Okay, that's enough. Ocasio-Cortez might be politically Speaking at odds, given Pelosi's thoughts soon after there that upset primary win in New Oh my God, the bug-eyed facial contortions. <laughs> New York's 14th district. They made a choice in one district. So let's not get yourself carried away as an expert on demographics and the rest of that. <laughs> I don't know how many people here watch Nancy Pelosi press conferences. You know how they always say Donald Trump's really rude to the press? Nancy Pelosi's twice as bad. I've been watching her for a while. She has utter disdain for the press most of the time. Like, did you hear that smart ass? That's like a bitchy backhander. You know. Well, she won in one district, so before you get ahead of yourself pretending to be an expert on demographics, look like if Donald Trump came out and said they would go, Oh my god, he's attacking the press again. I wonder if the journalist was black. Probably not. 
And then the speaker's initial take on Ocasio-Cortez's sweeping plan to combat climate change, the Green New Deal. In February, Pelosi referring to it this way in Politico, the Green Dream or whatever the they green call it, dream. nobody knows what it is, but they're for it, right? The, the Green Dream almost sounds like a new Marvel character, doesn't it? <laughs> Are you offended that Speaker Pelosi called this the green? I mean, we can't use the Green Lantern anymore because that burns a finite, a finite oil source. Green dream? No, I think it is a green dream. That was then. Now, Ocasio-Cortez, the firebrand of the progressive left, and the House... Looks like we've had some kind of dropout. Are we still rolling? Are we back? I think we're back. Hopefully we're back and rolling. Let me know if we're still good in the chat there. Looked like I had a dropout on my end. I know YouTube's back. Good to go. Good to go. Good to roll. I think so. We're back. Okay. Let's keep it going. Speaker have found common ground. The two teaming up to take on moderate Democrats who supported a Republican amendment to a gun control bill that would alert immigration and customs enforcement when an undocumented immigrant attempts to purchase a firearm. It's a gotcha on the part of the opposition. <laughs> What? 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 <laughs> Do you want to hear it again? Listen to this. Listen, listen to what they're teaming up on. This is critical. You need to you need to hear this again. No, I think it is a green dream. That was then. Now, Ocasio-Cortez, the firebrand of the progressive left, and the House Speaker have found common ground. Okay. The two teaming up to take on moderate Democrats Moderates. who supported a Republican amendment to yes. a gun control bill that would alert immigration and customs enforcement when an undocumented immigrant attempts to purchase a firearm. <laughs> Do you see how mentally ill these people are? So it was a Republican gun control measure to alert authorities when an undocumented immigrant attempted to buy a firearm. Pelosi and Ocasio-Cortez are going against that. Meanwhile, these are the very same people, ladies and gentlemen, who want the government to know when everybody else buys a gun. <laughs> Everybody who buys a gun needs to go on a government register. We need to know where the guns are at all times. We need to know your intimate details. We even need to know your your medical background. Just in case you suffered depression in the late 1980s, we need to know that here at the Democrat Party. We need to know everything about you. We need to know where you eat, what pills you take, where you shit. We need to know the lot. But if someone comes across the border illegally and has no paperwork and attempts to buy a firearm, oh no no, you can't uh, you can't tell anybody about it. Jesus. What are you? Some kind of Nazi? <laughs> Have you like I don't even know what to say. It's like it's like we're being trolled. 
It's like we're being trolled. Law-abiding citizens need to register. This is The Democrats want law-abiding citizens. They want the government to have a record of everything they own, what they take, where they've been, every single personal detail. The only people who shouldn't have any kind of authority checking in on their activity when they buy a gun is the illegal immigrants who shouldn't even be in the country in the first place. Do you believe what you're hearing? <laughs> one, one more time. The firebrand of the progressive left and the House Speaker have found common ground. The two teaming up to take on moderate Democrats who supported a Republican amendment to a gun control bill that would alert immigration and customs enforcement when an undocumented immigrant attempts to purchase a firearm. Can you see why the moderate Democrats are scared shitless, why they are terrified of the far left? Can you see why that might be the case? If you're a moderate Democrat, imagine trying to win an election with people doing shit like this. You're a moderate Democrat representative who represents a moderate Democrat district and your moderate Democrat voters have been telling you for some time to support moderate gun control measures. And so you propose a very moderate gun control measure, which is, hey, you know what? People in the country illegally, maybe the authorities should get alerted when they try to buy a firearm. Illegal immigrants. And your party's leadership of Nancy Pelosi and their social media propaganda leadership in Ocasio-Cortez say, I don't think so, Jack. Uh-uh, honey. Uh-uh. No. We're, te- we're teaming up to pressure moderate Democrats to, to do what? Go so far left that buses don't go there. It is insane. I'm going to tweet that out. I'm going to tweet this clip out. If you want to share it with people, be my guest. Share it with your moderate Democrat friends. There you go. It's on my timeline. <clears throat> if you go to at Boogie Bumper, that tweet is now on my timeline. Share that. It's only it's the first 90 seconds of the clip. Share it with your moderate Democrat friends and go, hey, look what they're doing to your party. Nancy Pelosi and Ocasio-Cortez think it's morally wrong for, for the authorities to know when illegal immigrants purchase firearms, but morally correct to know what prescription medications you're on when you try to buy one. Wow. If you want to know where all this is headed, um, here's a little lesson from Down Under, 60 Minutes Down in Australia, about a, a guy who was jailed for shooting somebody who broke into his house and threatened his life. Let's check it out. If you want to see the future... Once you, you start firing that gun, you don't stop. How many evil. times did you fire the gun? Well, according to the case, they said I fired three times. Oh, outrageous. So you were shooting to kill? I shoot him to kill. These men say it was kill or be killed. Oh, but awful. in defending themselves by killing someone else, they crossed the line. The they took the law into their own hands oh. and have paid an enormous price for doing so. You don't do anything wrong to anybody. Treat them like human being. And someone come and threaten your life and robbing you and stabbing you. What else to do? 
I like I like the assertion from the uh, sixty minutes host. You know, these people were they had their lives threatened by somebody, and you know they defended themselves. And this equates to quote taking the law into your own hands. It's like oh okay, so he's basically a vigilante now at this point. <laughs> like the, the, there's no distinction, right? Uh, Nathan Nathan asks in the chat, "You still have guns in Australia? Yeah, there's a big there's a big gun culture in Australia." Don't get me wrong. Like, they're especially out in the bush, like out in the outback. There's there's a lot of guns in Australia. Um, the specific restrictions and stuff. Zero hours. Zero hour says, "Dude, I love you." Oh, well, throw me your panties and we'll talk, man. Throw your panties up on stage. <laughs> so, there's still like a lot of gun culture here in Australia, but <clears throat> it's little things like you have to be a member of a club in order to own a firearm and stuff like that. And you have to do like a training course. You can't just walk into a shop and buy one. It doesn't work like that. But, you know, and there's uh, restrictions on semi-automatic rifles and whatnot. But there's still a big gun culture in Australia, absolutely, despite all this. Most of us dread the thought of being attacked. What would you do? Run and hide or fight back? I guess until you're confronted, it's impossible to know what that split-second decision will be. If you had a gun, would you use it to protect yourself? Amber in the chat says, you need guns in Australia just for the spiders. <laughs> no, no. The way we deal with spiders is we let snakes loose in the house. And so when the snakes eat all the spiders, then we uh, let loose uh, Tasmanian devils to eat the snakes. And then we get kangaroos in the house to kick the shit out of the Tasmanian devils. And then we eat the kangaroos. Your family, even your home. In that moment, if you did pull the trigger, would you be thinking about the consequences? Whoa, whoa, settle down. Mate. She closed her eyes so when she pulled the, the trigger. That's a big no-no. How many times had you been robbed? Before shooting, it was six times altogether. Six, six times? times. He was robbed six times by the same guy. <laughs> six times. And the guy the guy ended up getting thrown in jail when he eventually shot the guy. This fella here. This this poor old man who owned a shop, he's just trying to make money for his family, gets robbed six times by the same piece of shit lowlife. And on the sixth time, he's like, you know what? I've got a gun. I've, I've had enough of this. I will use it. Like, come on. Six six robbings, I think, is beyond the threshold of acceptable. And the guy's like, oh, fuck you. I'm going to kill you. He shoots him. He gets thrown in jail. Six. He should be allowed to shoot six robbers before he gets thrown in jail, if that's the case. Why was the guy still... Why was he out on the street if he'd robbed the place six times? And they're like, oh, this guy's taken the law into his own hands. Isn't that a failure of law enforcement or at least a failure of the courts to support law enforcement? That a guy can be out, you know, after six robberies robbing the same dude? <laughs> I'm, I've been, I was in this shop. So six times in six and a half months. Six and a half months. It was late afternoon, October 15, 1997, in Sydney's West. Had you ever used a gun before? Never. Never Shop used a gun before? Nikolik was being robbed by the same man on the same day for the second time. <laughs> the guy showed up a second time on the same day! On the same day! So he came in at, like, you know, before lunchtime. Eh, give me all your fucking money, you piece of shit. I'm like, hey, here you go. The guy shows up again 
later on that day. Like, I'd be like, man, how much money do you think I make selling hamburgers? Like, this is not a bank. How, look, look at the board. The hamburgers cost like $4. You've, give, you've given me three hours. I've got like 16 bucks in the till. What do you, what do you think you're getting away with here? Probably some 20 minutes. And they could not handle him more. And they shot him. And look, he's not he's not glorifying it. See, a lot of a lot of these people like to, you know, have they like to portray this thing like if you're willing to defend yourself in that manner, well, you've got like some kind of bloodlust or you're some kind of violent individual. No, people like shopkeepers who keep a firearm do so because specifically because they're not violent individuals. Right? It's to protect themselves from violent individuals. Oh, no. Vigilante taking the law into his own hands. Have a listen to uh, the situation. He'll describe what happened to him and why he got thrown in prison for it. Thief grabbed a knife and was threatening to throw Collier into a vat of boiling oil. He had a knife to his throat and was threatening to throw him in a vat of boiling oil. How, How dare he defend himself? How dare he take the law into his own hands? He should have become, you know, a new addition to the menu. That that was the correct thing to do. That was the wise thing to do. That was the sensible thing to do. Sir. Don't you defend yourself, sir. You belong in that vat of oil, sir. He was laughing and he called me a bastard. And I told him, I am armed. Better, better stay there. Use it. You are not there. Use it, you bastard. Call me again. And he, he said, you're going to be cooked like you're cooking your own chips. <laughs> I was scared, and I show him the gun. Use it. I will use it. <laughs> Zero over on YouTube says, five robberies is the limit in Australia. Correct. You're allowed to commit five robberies. On the sixth one, then people start to get interested and may shoot back at you. <laughs> but it's generally accepted in the culture. Uh, everybody gets to rob somebody five times. Uh, we are a nation founded by criminals, by the way. I believe that's built into the Constitution, believe it or not. Right now. I shot him two times. He used his three fifty seven Magnum to shoot the... Ro- nice. He's got style. See how she has to say, she has to point out the gun, the three fifty seven Magnum? The reason that you point out that it's a three fifty seven Magnum is because it brings with it all kinds of connotations like Dirty Harry and shit. Like, ah, oh, this guy's this guy's traipsing around his store with a hand cannon just waiting for somebody to waltz in so he can blow them away. He's taken the law into his own hands, this vigilante, dangerous, violent individual. He needs to be locked up. Robert in the shoulder and the stomach. He never gave me a chance. I want to shoot him in the legs. But he moved. Yeah, they... So many directions. That's, that's the other thing, too. People are always like, why didn't you just shoot him in the legs? And it's like, what, do you think he was standing there and go, just aim below the waist? <laughs> Look, <clears throat> I'll, give you, I'll give you two free shots, old man. So one in each leg. If you miss, I'm going to throw you in the vat of hot oil. It's very, it's very gentlemanly, this armed robbery business, this armed robbery game that people play. Well, I say, sir, I see you, have, you are in possession of a three fifty seven Magnum. You do understand I'm here to rob you, right? Of course, jolly good sir. May I have a free shot at one of your kneecaps? Well, <laughs> there, there you go. 
Have at it. Have at it, son. Oh, jolly good try. Jolly good shot. You got me in the stomach. Better luck next time. You're about to be french fried. Oh, dear. Well, one must learn from their mistakes, mustn't we? I was scared and that's it. Back. You were scared, but were you also angry? Did you want to get back at him for what he'd done to you? Um, yes. Ah, oh, bad. Wrong answer. Oh, he's vindictive. He got robbed six times and he wanted to, he was angry. No, he should have been, should have been calm. <laughs> should have been more giving. I mean, if he had have just been generous and handed over the money from the till, this whole tragedy would have been averted. He's the criminal, really. It's not only first day. This is for three months he done these things to me. What is enough is enough. If they're coming Never. in, obviously, to attack you or to steal things or they're coming in aggressively, then you can use whatever force is reasonably necessary to get them out. Ah, reasonably necessary. Mm-hmm reasonably see this is the criticism that people have once you start bringing into these into these laws you know qualifiers like reasonable because just say you live like in a shitty poor part of town and you know where you know other people have been attacked and stuff what seems like and you know the kind of person that's attacking you what seems like reasonable force to you in that moment is probably likely going to be different to the judge who perhaps lives in the rich part of town in maybe, say, a gated community. That their definition of reasonable force might be a little bit different. You know what I mean? And this is the main criticism of using... bringing in subjective terms like reasonable into legal definitions. ...or to get them to stop... But what is reasonable force? There you go. Lawyer Pauline Wright says reasonable force does allow you to kill in self-defence, but you've got to convince a court the force was appropriate to the attack. Uh Basically, would a jury respond in the same way under the same circumstances? So obviously for that poor gentleman, um, having a knife put to his throat and being threatened to be thrown into a vat of boiling oil by the same guy who's already robbed him six times and for the second time on that day, putting a bullet in his shoulder and his stomach, even though he was trying to aim for his legs in an act of pure self-defense was not reasonable enough. And he ended up doing prison time because of it. It's horrifying, isn't it? Absolutely horrifying. Uh, Meanwhile though, the Democrats doing good work there over at the DNC. Nancy Pelosi and AOC are teaming up to push back against the moderate Democrats who dared support a bill put forward by Republicans that would see, you know, ICE and other law enforcement agencies get alerted when an illegal immigrant attempted to purchase a firearm in the United States. We can't have that. That would be immoral and racist and wrong. All right. I want to get into Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. I'm a, I'm a fan of the sci-fi genre. I like the Marvel movies. But I, I do have to take some kind of issue with the way that this, this particular one is being promoted. I'm sure I'm a sexist beast. <laughs> Donna says he needs a new lawyer. Dean says, I think after being robbed six times, a bazooka would be reasonable force. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Ducks Regent says, the common denominator here is people. We obviously need to ban humans. Hey, baby, when I kill all humans, you're going to need a gun for that. I hope you're a legal immigrant so we can check on your background. No, actually, be an illegal immigrant. That way you can purchase a firearm without anybody knowing. That's exactly what we want here at the Democrat Party. You know why? Because we're reasonable and moral and good. Pardon me. How Captain Marvel has changed superhero movies forever. Before we even start getting into this, and tearing this shit apart, did you know at a number of cinemas around the United States, they are only showing Captain Marvel? They are on, they're not showing any other movie over the weekend in like some big promotion. So, you know, somebody from, you know, whoever produced the movie is probably paying these cinemas to not show any other movies over the weekend. And I know it's true because I've seen people do the research on it and, like, bring up, um, you know, the the schedules for these different cinemas and shit. I've seen it happen. But when I actually looked for an article about it, nothing. Nothing. It's like, isn't that, isn't that the darndest thing? It's like, what are you hiding here? How Captain Marvel has changed superhero movies forever. Don't you think that's a little presumptuous? Don't you you think it's a little presumptuous to say that a movie has changed an entire genre forever before 99% of people have even fucking seen it? Don't Don't you think we're trying a little too hard here? Are you familiar with the term laying it on thick? It's basically like the promo for this movie. It's like we're trying to buy a gym membership. You know what I mean? And when the guy's selling you a gym membership and they go way over the top and it just turns you right off. It's like, yes, I'm interested in a superhero movie where the main character is a female. Well, can I interest you in changing a genre to fight the patriarchy for the rest of humanity, like for the rest of history? Well, you know, that's kind of, I'm not really here for that. Look, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll sign you up right now. I'll sign you up right now to fundamentally shift what superhero movies are and how they are perceived and the role of women in society forever into the future. I, You know, I, I just want to see a cute chick in a superhero outfit kick shit out of people for a couple of hours. Can I have that? No, no, that's not enough. You, you need a whole plan. You need a whole cultural plan. I'm going to write out a whole cultural plan for you. I'm going to sign you up right now. Smash the patriarchy. This is going to change movies forever, my man. You know what? It's too much. Sorry, I'm out. I'm out. You came on a little too strong. Just came on a little too strong. Marvel's first female superhero movie hit cinemas today, and the world of comic book films will never be the same. (laughs) The most excited journalist on the red carpet at the London premiere of Captain Marvel was an eight-year-old schoolgirl named Illy. Oh, isn't that adorable? Dressed in Captain Marvel's red, blue, and gold suit... Illy grinned with delight as she met actress Brie Larson, the woman who embodies her idol on screen in Marvel's first female-led superhero movie. I did it for you, superstar, said Larson. Just just for the kid? Surely the money <laughs> comes into play at some point. I did it just for you. What is this, make a wish? Is the kid sick? What's going on? Just be honest. You didn't do it for her. You did it. You did it primarily for you and the money. Would you do it for free? The Oscar winning actress added, quote, you have so many superpowers. Yeah. 
A lifelong comic book reader and now the star of eight Marvel movies, nobody understands the power of superheroes to inspire people more than Samuel L. Jackson. There are people who read comics and look at them and wish and imagine as strongly as the people who read Jane Eyre, he explains to News.com. Those things mean something to people and the presentation of it, like Wonder Woman, means something in terms of the dignity of that character and the strength of that character. Hyperbole. Dear men, it's okay if you don't like Captain Marvel, but we have a request. Oh, okay. Not like females to have a request. Uh, What is it? Put the toilet seat down? Something like that. Don't scratch your ass in public. Would that be a request? I'm not sure. Let's see what uh, Bree's got to say for herself here. But after that, where you go, okay, I can actually do this for a living. Some people, they, they get to yeah, LA and they're like, I don't know if this is going to work. And I had a hard time getting work again, you know. Yeah. I, went, got, I mean, I've been broke a dozen times. It's like, people think, like, you, when you look at it, it kind of, like, makes sense. Or, right. like, my IMDb maybe looks, like, consistent. But really, there's, like, large gaps of time of, like, three auditions a day still, oh. you know. Harrowing. Even like before Room came out, I was stressing about money. And that <laughs> I was stressing about money, but I do it just for the eight-year-old kids on the red carpet. It's possible that Captain Marvel won't be the best Marvel movie, but right now we need your support, not your negativity. Why? <laughs> See, now, now we have to rewrite the entire rule. Like, you're not allowed to not like something now. Do you see the idiotic realms of shallowness that we're we're drifting into here? It's like the whole thing with the cinemas only showing this movie because you know what they're going to do is come out and brag about all the money that the movie took on the opening weekend. And you're going to be like, well, hang on, there was no competition. They're going to be, shut up, you sexist. What, do you got a problem with promoting women on screen? Do you have some kind of problem with women being the stars of superhero movies? You fucking misogynist. You know, <laughs> You know what I mean? Captain Marvel is coming out very soon, and it will be the first female-led Marvel movie. And that actually has an exclamation mark. It'll also hopefully bring us the solution to the world Thanos left behind in Infinity War. So this movie has big implications for the future of the franchise. It's a big moment for Marvel, and it's a big moment for female fans everywhere who have been waiting years to be represented. They're acting like there's never been a woman in a movie before. You, know I mean? <laughs> you negative flag humpers. <laughs> they hate everything, but we can't dislike it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to have to push back on this. This idea that there are, you know, millions and millions and millions of female comic book fans who are just waiting to be represented in this manner. Let me see if I can find something for you. Just give me one second. Give me one second to see if I can pull something up. Perhaps a little bit of evidence. Okay. We may have found it here. Alright. So we have here a little mini documentary about the role that female fans play in the comic book world. Of course, you know, I'm not talking about everybody. There are female fans of this stuff, but, you know, as they say, exceptions to trends do not invalidate trends. So here's a very short 90-second documentary about female comic book fans that you'll enjoy. Also, Hawk 
girl in the comic shop and I didn't know what to do. There was a hot girl in the comic shop, she was looking at Doctor Who. There was an actual girl in the comic shop, what a momentous day. I had to check to make sure that she wasn't just a human-sized cardboard display. My competition was a kid with pimples and a guy in a wheelchair. So I knew I had to act fast. So many questions in my mind. What would be a good pickup line? Why had a hot girl just come in? If the Hulk fought Spider-Man, who would win? Good question. I guess the Spider-Man's advantage would be his web and his manual dexterity. But then again, the Hulk's endurance is limitless, and he's stronger than Spidey would be. There was a hot girl in the comic shop just a minute ago. There was a hot girl in the comic shop. Did anyone see her go? Has she come to the comic shop looking for love? Guess I'll never know. There you go. <laughs> Female comic book fans, ladies and gentlemen. A big part of the industry. They've been waiting years for this moment. So, dear fellow Marvel fan who appears to be male, or happens to be male, I wanted to share some thoughts with you as we both prepare to watch what will hopefully be a great movie, but possibly might not be that great of a movie. The fandom, and therefore the internet, is about to be full of opinions in this industry. People especially like to target movies that certain demographics see themselves reflected in. (laughs) No, actually... I think you'll find that people like to target over the top, you know, borderline abusive promo that basically berates people into liking it lest they be shamed for hating certain demographics. Do you see do you see it's a subtle difference, I know, but do you see there is a difference nonetheless. Don't get all projecty on me. Because they deem them too PC and then in brackets, what whatever that means. <laughs> this article, that's that's what it means. This shit here that I'm reading. Some examples. All the guys who tore down Wonder Woman trying to tell explain trying to tell explain to women that she actually isn't inspirational. Or the Uber driver who told me Black Panther was the most boring movie he'd ever seen. Was he watching a documentary about literal Black Panthers? See, I watched Black Panther the other day. I thought it was terrible. It was boring. Like compared to the other Marvel movies, I was like, oh, this is rank. It, it just didn't have the same action. It didn't have the same, like, see, the Marvel movies, part of why they're good, they have really snappy writing and really, like, uh, sarcastic, you know, jokes in them and little in-gags and stuff like that. There was fuck all of that in Black Panther. It was way too serious. It, it, it couldn't, it wasn't laughing at itself enough. Do you know what I mean? The other Marvel movies, like, they laugh at themselves. There's a bit of self-deprecating humor in them. And like a bit of a bit of dumb humor. There was none of that in Black Panther, so I was like, nah, it's boring. Even the action scenes were lacking. Because we definitely weren't watching the same movie. But you see, because the Uber driver didn't like it, he's tar- we're now targeting movies that certain demographics see themselves reflected in. It's utter garbage. Utter garbage. Look at this one. Captain Marvel can debunk the idea that trolls and toxic fans, toxic fans, 
I don't even... How can anybody logically be a toxic fan? I mean, if you're toxic, then you're obviously not a fan of whatever it is is on the screen, right? What am I missing here? <laughs> what am I missing here? Oh, these toxic fans. What? <laughs> people, people that are fans that hate the thing? What are you, fucking insane? What are you talking about? Captain Marvel got off to a red-hot start in China last night earning 2.46 million in midnight previews. Aren't there like a billion people in China? (laughs) In advance of its Friday-Sunday opening frame. That's the fifth best performance for any superhero title in China. Fifth best. Well, what an achievement. Let's go down here. Yet, that campaign where a few folks wrote some mean tweets and the entire media covered it, as well as the clapbacks that follow, taught the press a horrible lesson. Namely, that we could take a handful of mean tweets from anonymous people and frame it into a trend story. The, the, the modern-day corporate clickbaity press does that all the time. It's one of my big bugbears. Cricket says, guess I should stay incognito so I can spy. Toxic fan? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like one of it's one of the things that enrages me the most is when you'll see some stupid article and it's like James says fifth best out of six movies exactly they could have said the second worst <laughs> but they didn't they didn't it's the fifth best fifth best ever <laughs> they'll they'll take a story and they'll they'll say something like uh you know let's take Donald Trump for example. Donald Trump enrages social media with comment about X. And then they'll put up all of these tweets from these anonymous people. And it's like, this guy's an unhinged racist. I hate him. You know, and it'll be like, you know, Long John 44 says Donald Trump is unfit for office. Sweet B33 says we need to impeach Donald Trump immediately. He's a racist pig, blah, blah, blah. All of these anonymous names on Twitter. It's like, do, do you see? Look at the wall of consensus I've built here with these half a dozen tweets. It's like just a sheer lack of self-reflection that when people get on Twitter and say something they don't like about one of the sacred cows of the left, then all of a sudden, ah, oh, it's it's a it's an exercised campaign of trolling. Like it's an organized troll takedown. <laughs> it's an offensive. Either about the initial offense or about how celebrities or fans were responding or fighting back. Such was the case when the Alamo Drafthouse announced that their intent to hold women-only screenings of Wonder Woman, which naturally caused a negative online response. I I wonder why. I wonder why people who have been told for the last 50 years that things like segregation and treating people of different genders is inherently immoral and wrong, I wonder why they would have some kind of issue with being told that only their girlfriend can go see the movie and they have to wait outside. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't even know where to start with this shit but how, how do we characterise the people who might have an issue with gender segregation in a movie cinema well here's how which naturally caused a negative online response from the sort of folks who were naturally opposed to a Wonder Woman movie in the first place <laughs> yes yes I'm sure people who People who really just hate women were really upset that you weren't going to let them see the movie. Right? 
Makes makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. By the way, um, we must not allow law enforcement officials to find out when illegal immigrants buy firearms. That would be immoral and wrong. What, what do you want to live in a nanny state? Have you taken prescription medication? Give me your guns, you redneck motherfucker. But rather than ignore them, we turn this into a national conversation with folks actually debating the morality of what should have been a giant, oh, neat, sounds like fun. (laughs) Tony, you you can't have an opinion on this. Uh, By the way, does anybody remember this? Dunkirk? Remember when Dunkirk came out? I just want to lay a little bit of context here. Should you know, do a little bit of back and forward, make sure I'm not going crazy, do a little bit of comparison work. I think Dunkirk was mediocre at best, and it's not because I'm some naive woman who doesn't get it. Why Why isn't? She, why is she allowed to have an, an opinion here? Could we have a, a white male-only screening of Dunkirk? Perhaps people who are of, you know, either French or British heritage. I'm sorry, everybody else locked out. This This movie is not for you. This is our mo- this is our war. This is our thing. Just go down here. Look at this. But my main issue with Dunkirk is that it's so clearly designed for men to man out over. Wow, that's in- that's an interesting take. And look, it's not like I need every movie to have quote strong female leads. Wonder Woman can probably tide me over for at least a year. And I understand that this war was dominated by brave male soldiers. I get that. I get it. Okay. Stop mansplaining me. I get it. But the packaging of the film, the general vibe, it made me, it felt sexist. You know, I just, it just felt sexist. You know, the general vibe of the, of the flick just, just felt misogynist to me. It felt like it was designed for men so they could man out with each other. You know, just felt icky. And the tenor of the people applauding it just screams men only. Do you see the difference between feeling like when people applaud a a war movie, it feels men only? Do you see the difference between that and actually specifically saying to men, you're not allowed to come to the cinema this weekend to see a movie? Do Do you see the difference? And specifically, seems to cater to a certain type of very pretentious man who would love nothing more than explain to me why I'm wrong about not liking it. Ah, by the way, dear men, it's okay if you don't like Captain Marvel, but just don't tell us about it. Just in case you don't. If this movie were a dating profile pic, it would have been a swole guy at the gym who also goes to Harvard. If it was a drink, it would be Stumptown Coffee. If it was one of your friends, it would be the one who starts his sentences with, I get what you're saying, but isn't that literally what this article is? I get what you're saying about the movie, but still still kind of a man fest, isn't it? I guess congratulations are in order for Nolan managing to unite highbrow male critics and very annoying people on Twitter under a common bromance. But to me, Dunkirk felt like an excuse for men to celebrate maleness. (laughs) Yes, all the death and destruction and misery and murder and pain and gore and horror of war. Ah, It's just men, men being men, boys being boys, boys and their toys celebrating their maleness. James says they should have made Brokeback Dunkirk. Now there's an idea. (laughs) Two guys under heavy Nazi fire on the beaches of Dunkirk 
end up in a end up in a beautiful relationship and fuck each other silly on the beach while the bombs are dropping in the background. <laughs> and maybe we can rewrite the ending and it brings an end to the war. So as the Nazis come over the horizon and see these two gentlemen coming over each other, then they jo- they join in and everybody falls in love. We have gay sex as the credits roll and next thing you know, World War II never happened. I think I really think we need to reimagine these historical events and stop celebrating maleness and start celebrating social justice. I really think that's the way forward because really, who cares about history, really? You know what I mean? We can make history to be whatever we want it to be. Whatever we want it to be. Win it in the chat says, lol, that's gross. Oh, come on, man, don't be a bigot. Don't be a homophobe, bro. Yeah, there you have it. Um, let's hear a little bit of Brie Larson. Let's see some of her thoughts on maleness and gender. Why she's a spectacular selection for this role. From the script's first draft, Larson says she noted the significance of women being involved in all stages of the film's creative process. There was a, a scene of two male characters talking about my character and, and they called me a woman. Wow. And I realized that in the past, if I had read a script written by a man, it would be girl. That's fucking profound, if you ask me. That's basically like landing on the moon. Imagine being so insecure that um, girl, woman has such an effect on you, even though you get paid millions of dollars to gallivant around on the big screen and act like a hero to eight-year-old girls. Imagine that bringing you down. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, here, oh, by the way, movie reviews, I've got one more article for you. Let's have a little look here. Trolls targeted Captain Marvel and Brie Larson, but Disney was ready for them. Perhaps worst of all, she doesn't smile enough, the trolls whined. So they posted doctored pictures of Larson in her Captain Marvel regalia, doing what male superheroes do. This film is about trying to put in as many little revolutions as possible, she told AV Club, and as many little nods to what that experience is like, being a woman so that other people could feel less alone. If you wanted to make a movie about being a woman, uh, maybe Captain Marvel should get pregnant. You know what I mean? And an ab- get an abortion. Maybe another. Maybe Iron Man can <laughs> rip that fetus out, throw it into the throw it into the trash. Next thing you know, it's, it's a fucking celebration, man. Oh, we're breaking barriers. Captain Marvel trolls, knock it off. This is Bill Goody Kuntz. I'm not making it up. Bill Goody Kuntz, who's a media critic, another male. I'm the media critic for the Arizona Republic and the USA Today Network. And I'm still occasionally a film critic. Perhaps you know that Captain Marvel is coming out next week. You know this because it's the most hyped Marvel movie since... <laughs> Comment in the chat, enough with the Marvel. I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up. You may want to make a cup of coffee. The last most hyped Marvel movie. Uh, I have not seen it, and I won't review it. Our own Barbara Vandenberg will, and she'll do her usual great job with it. But I know a lot about it, not only because, you know, we've heard so much about it, but because there's a lot of ugliness surrounding it right now. Uh, And this is happening more and more. What's happened is the sort of fanboys who every time there's a movie or any kind of pop culture moment that involves women in power comes along, they trash it. (laughs) I know. 
I, I, I definitely want to get advice on, um, you know, culture and modern society from a guy who wears that tie. Like that's all, that's all the qualification I need, man. Thanks for the tip. Here's a little bit more. Like, I, I can't imagine why these fanboys, these evil toxic trolls, I can't imagine why they would have any problem with this at all. Like, really, the only thing that they don't like is women in power. They just hate women in power. That's what it is. They're evil misogynists. They're vaginophobes. And they just hate seeing women be empowered on the screen. I think that's what the main issue is here. Let's hear from Brie. And one more question. Um, what does it mean to be a woman in film? It means it's really hard. Uh. Uh, and if you're a woman of color, then it's really, really hard. Ah. Uh. I, I like that Brie doesn't have the self-awareness to... She's basically writing herself out of a job now because isn't she now advocating for Captain Marvel to be a black woman instead of her? She should have given up her role for a black chick. <laughs> what a racist. So earlier this week, USC Annenberg's Inclusive Initiative released findings that 67% of the top critics reviewing the 100 highest grossing movies in 2017 were white males. Ah. Less than a quarter were white women and less than 10% were unrepresented men. <laughs> Only 2.5% of those top critics were women of color. Yep. So you're probably thinking right now, like, wow, that super doesn't represent the country that I live in. And that's because that's true. It that super doesn't represent the country I live in. No, but it does represent the people who are film critics. Right? <laughs> The other thing, too, is we live in the age of the internet. If you put up, if you say, you know, type in your favorite movie into YouTube and put review after it, you will see 5,000 videos of people uploading themselves doing reviews. All kinds of people. Nobody's stopping them. 67% of the reviewers are white males. Um, here's a movie review from a white male. I'm gonna be honest, this is a no-win scenario. This is a no-win review. There's some weird <laughs> culture war going on online between people who hate Captain Marvel and people who hate the people who hate Captain Marvel. And like, I don't give a shit about any of it. I feel like I'm on a hilltop with my lawn chair, popping popcorn, watching people fight, going, all right, that's interesting. You know, truth is stranger than fiction. I have no dog in the fight. I'm judging this movie as I judge all movies. Did I like it? Did it grab- Not good enough, sir. Not good enough. You're not allowed to judge it like you would judge all movies. This one's special. This one's special because it means so much more to so many people. The millions and millions and millions and millions of female sci-fi fans who I would wager you could fit into one football stadium. I'm just putting that out. I've got no, start, no data to back that up, but I would think that you could fit all of the female sci-fi fans into one football stadium. Maybe the Packers, Green Bay Packers Stadium. That's it. They're all there. That's it. That's all of them. We should just, we should just have a special screening of Captain Marvel up on the big screen at the Green Bay Packers Stadium, all of the female fans can sit there. There'll be an empty chair in front of them so they can put their feet up because it'll be half full. And, you know, it'll be wonderful. It'll be gorgeous. It'll be great. Um, so Brie Larson's a big social justice chick. She, she doesn't like it that females are, you know, she says it's tough for women in Hollywood. And she's really grabbing with both hands this opportunity to portray a you know a dominant empowered female superhero which i think is fine like i said i i 
my issue is the overkill in the advertising. It's not the necessarily the movie. I'll still watch it, but I'm already put off because everybody's telling me, like they're screaming at me that I have to like it. Otherwise, I'm some kind of bad dude. And when you do, it's like, don't look down shit. When you tell me I have to watch it, I have to like it, then I'm kind of like, I'm already pissed off. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to let me come to you. So now in the modern adaptation of Brie Larson, she really resents, you know, well, she re- resents the role of women in Hollywood and she loves playing an empowered female. This was her, what, two years ago talking about a movie, King Kong, that she was in. Check this out. You look fantastic. Thank you so much. So you know, do you. Um, this movie, Kong Skull Island, which I liked it a lot. I love King Kong and I love this stuff. And really, in a way, being the damsel in King Kong's palm is kind of an iconic movie role to have, isn't it? Yes, it is. But- no, it's not silly. <clears throat> it's sexist and stereotypical and wrong. Idiot. <laughs> You need to go back to feminist school, darling. Uh, she Later in the interview, you can watch it yourself, Brie Larson on her Bachelor Obsession, she talks about how much she loves The Bachelor. You know that show where all of the vacuous women with way too much makeup and nothing between their ears fight like cats, like feral cats for the love of a single man? She loves that show. Big, big fan of The Bachelor. <laughs> sexist pig. I guess, I guess I'm going to have to boycott this movie now because she's so sexist. All right. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with the Marvel shit. Let's put you on the back burner, Bree. Over or under? This is the real debate. These are the real debates that need to be settled. Toilet roll debate finally settled thanks to 128-year-old manual. It's like the Dead Sea Scrolls of shit paper, of bog rolls. Are you team up and over or team hanging under? I want to do a, a flash poll in the chat. Are you somebody that has the toilet paper going over the top or do you like to have it hanging from the bottom? I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll give you 90 seconds to think about it. Think about it carefully. Over. Okay, we've got, we've got more overs here already. Old news, says Dana. Over. Up and over. I'm seeing a lot of overs here. Under. Gypsy's the under. Top only. Over the top. Too hard to reach against the wall, says Lady Fritzer. Over the top, of course. Don't be a maniac. Only psychopaths have it hanging under. The manual visually shows over the top, says Dana. Well, we must always do what the instructions say, especially when it comes to toilet paper. Sits on the back of the toilet, wrap around the hand. Ah, now see, there's a thinker. There's a thinker. Over bottom, but over is correct. Love that there's a correct way of doing it. Greeno, good to see you. Greeno does under. I always knew you were different. Greeno, my co-host on the starting block. Well, I, I, I say co-host, but really he's the host. I just, I just hang around. I, I just hang around and try to annoy him while he's hosting a, a proper show, <laughs> which, which is on. I don't know when is it on, Greeno? Is it Wednesdays? At like when only the Wolfmen and the alcoholics are up and about, up and about. Wednesdays at three a.m. Eastern time, something like that. It's good to have Greeno on board. 
I didn't think he'd watch. Greeno's always like, I don't want to talk about any politics whatsoever. The first comment he makes is when we're talking about fucking bog roll. Typical. Celeste doesn't use it. <laughs> I don't use that stuff. <laughs> Apparently, there are two types of people in the world. As for how it's to so up and over wins the day. Over the top is the clear winner. It's like 90% in the chat. As for how this is decided, it's all to do with toilet roll. By now, you will have come across the age-old question, should your toilet roll hang over or under? Maybe this question has caused conflict in your own home. Perhaps you've ended a relationship or even uh, disinherited a family member based on their toilet roll orientation. Ladies and gentlemen, if you thought it was hard to have a conversation with your loved ones at Thanksgiving about whether or not you supported Donald Trump, Wait until you take a shit. <laughs> Your Democrat uncle. You can just hear him scream out from the lavatory. What the hell is this? What the fuck is going on in here? You know, I could tolerate the love for Donald Trump, but I'm not putting up with this shit. Hell no. Honey, grab your bag. We're going back to Idaho. It did seem as if there was no answer, if no answer was in sight. But some good news, there is. Should I vote? I'm an I'm an over the top man. Seventy four percent. Like look at that mirrors the chat basically. Seventy four percent over the top. The unders. We got to keep an eye on them. Like I said, I think psychopaths would have have it hanging underneath. Choice Magazine discovered a 128-year-old patent dating back to the 15th of September, 1891. It helpfully included a detailed graph which was explicit in showing the paper being left up and over the roll rather than hanging under. According to the Mail Online, the magazine wrote, Here at Choice, we're fearless in finding truth to the most complex consumer concerns, which is why we set out to provide a conclusive answer to the controversial question of whether to hang your toilet paper over or under the roll. There you go. You can't argue with that. Settled. Put it in the bank. It's done. (laughs) Comment over on YouTube. If they're Democrats, they poo in their sink. Excellent. And then use the scrubbing brush. Can't argue with that. Over is the correct way. So at risk of permanently losing members, we're here to announce that over is the correct way to hang toilet paper. The number of responses to this bombshell revelation are testament to how heated this debate has become. Over under makes me uncomfortable, wrote one reader. Over because I'm not a monster. (laughs) to agree. <laughs> I hang it over the top because I'm not a monster. 1891 asked Lady Fritzer, any relationship to the consensus uh, census building burning down? <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. But in the camp under, someone else said, under all the way, it gives you better, quicker, and easier one-handed control of the number of sheets used. Can't we just be friends? Interesting stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, over under, it's it's likely a battle that's going to rage for eons and eons to come. Don't you think? We may never we may never solve this mystery. We may never know just how bad it could be if you're over or under where people pee. 
Democrat Party passes resolution condemning hate. My first question is, why would a party need to condemn hate? We hate hate. <laughs> We're going to ban an emotion. Oh, okay. I, I love it when politicians tackle the big issues. A debate within the Democratic Party over changes that one uh, over charges that one of its House of Representative members made anti-Semitic remarks has exposed an ideological and generational rift in the party, prompting a vote to condemn bigotry against minorities. Isn't this already settled? Is aren't we already? I, I didn't like a <laughs> like. Is someone going to walk around now and go fucking Jews? And then oh wait, shit, they passed a bill. Damn it. Hey, shalom. <laughs> shalom, welcome. I love Jews now. <laughs> is, that, is that the way it works? I'm not sure. Did, didn't, didn't you hear? The Democrats passed a vote. You can't, you can't be anti-Jewish anymore. Ah, oh, well, it was fun while it lasted, right? We had fun while it lasted. But the dream's over. Some, some Democrats, including several senators who were seeking the party's 2020 presidential nomination, warned that party leaders were playing into Republicans' hands and had stymied legitimate debate over US-Israel policy. Playing into Republicans' hands. Those racists. The House, which is controlled by Democrats, voted 407 to 23 on Thursday to, appro to approve a broad resolution condemning anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim discrimination, and other forms of bigotry. Sorry, if you're not a Jew or a Muslim, you're in the others column. Isn't that kind of discriminatory? Isn't that kind of bigoted? Jeez. I think we should have listed every possible combination, intersectional and otherwise, of every human being and done voted on individual bills. That would see us through to about 2023 and, you know, most of our lives would be over. <sighs> the vote came less than a week after Representative Ilan Omar, one of the first two Muslim women elected to Congress, made statements at a Washington event that were denounced by some as anti-Semitic. The resolution does not mention Omar by name, but Republicans have seized on Omar's statements. Republicans pounce. And the resulting intra-party conflict as a sign the Democrat Party is fractured. Uh, let's hear from... Let's hear from Nana Nance. Nazi Pelosi. The Pelosi says anti-hate resolution won't name Omar. She goes one step further than that. She doesn't even name Omar. Check this out. I don't, I don't think that... Um that the congresswoman is the congresswoman <laughs> what are you talking about i'm not afraid to mention people's names i'm not afraid to mention things you know this resolution uh you, the congresswoman we don't need to mention the congresswoman's name <laughs> imagine if it was a republican <laughs> i don't i don't think that um that the congresswoman is uh uh, the congresswoman. Perhaps appreciate the full weight of how it's heard by other... The congresswoman, like she's the only one. It's like the queen. The people, although I don't believe it was intended in any anti-Semitic way, but the fact is, if that's how it was interpreted, we have to remove all doubt, <sighs> as we have done over and over again. We have to remove all doubt. 
by making sure that we can't mention the name of the person who brought the bill on in the first place. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm happy to see an end to bigotry, aren't you? Aren't you? Check this out. Jesus Christ depicted as a cold-blooded killer in new action hero comic book, Jesus Freak. We're going to stay on the comic book theme for a while here. The Jesus Freak. He's bloodthirsty. He's evil. Jesus Freak comes to kill. We'd hate to, we'd hate to offend people, wouldn't we? I wonder what kind of reviews this thing's getting. The new novel from Image Comics, publisher of the Walking Dead series, has released its new controversial comic ahead of Lent. Timing is everything. Previews of the strip show a muscle-clad messiah beheading foes with a whirling sword. Promotional material says the year is 26 CE. A young Nazarian carpenter is having some trouble adjusting to the violent world around him and finding his place in it. He knows he's different, but he doesn't know why. Not yet, anyway. A bloody two-fisted tale of historical fiction. See what I mean? We don't have to worry about history history stuff anymore. Don't worry about being offended. Some reports even suggest that the publisher is banking on blasphemy protests to help propel sales. The writer of Jesus Freak, Joe Casey, explained, Jesus Freak is less inspired by any strict religious traditions. You don't say. You don't say. <laughs> we have to point that out. Instead, more concerned with exploring the unique tension that exists between depicting a mythical character and a historical figure, a tension that is compounded when, for many, they're considered the same person. It's also a chance for co-writer Benjamin Mara to indulge in a specific style of hard pulp storytelling that we think perfectly fits this material. The Evil Jesus. Now, this is fine. This is fine. We don't have a problem with this. But if you come out and say that you have some kind of issue with Captain Marvel, oh no, you're just a hideous troll, remember? Remember that. It comes as comic publisher DC Vertigo has announced the release of of Second Coming, in which Jesus learns how to be a messiah from a superhero called Sunman. In the... (laughs) God. (laughs) Do I put the gun to his face or do I put bread in his mouth? I'm not sure. God sees how people adore Sunman and sends Jesus down to learn from this superhero. However, more than 230,000 people signed a petition calling the series blasphemous. DC then cancelled the planned March 6 release. See, don't worry about it. Just let the idiots have their toys. Writer Mark Russell said that DC asked for changes and that he and Sunman artist Richard Pace weren't comfortable with. The demands included deleting some swear words (laughs) and covering up a nude Adam in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) They had, to, they had to get they had to get the swear words out of Jesus's mouth. Blaspheme this, you motherfucker! Jesus freak. So the trolls are a big problem when it comes to these kinds of events. I think I think that's the general consensus here. Whether whether a movie's offensive or not, I guess the trolls are just out to annoy people who want to celebrate, you know, empowerment or whatever the minority flavor of the day is at that time. Vice usually does some really shitty stuff, but I thought this was pretty good. Can a silent guru cure this millennial troll? Check this out. What did you feel from the gaze? A message of love. That's it? Yeah. An ordinary man with an extraordinary gift. 
My name's Alhan, and people on the internet keep saying that I'm a dickhead. <laughs> I've been searching for answers, and most solutions seem really long. But... <laughs> I like... Don't you like him already? Most people on the internet say that I'm a dickhead. I've been looking for solutions, but most of them are really long. <laughs> I stumbled across this guy called Bratzo, who apparently just look stares at this guy and cures them of any of their problems instantly. This guy steadily become an... So this is like next level faith healing. So this guy doesn't even pray or anything. He just gets up on stage and stares at you and doesn't say anything. And then it's like, it's a miracle. Jesus freak isn't going to kill me anymore. I'm saved. I'm not an alcoholic. My back, my legs, I can walk. You know, he just stares at you. He's a, he's a, he's truly a miracle worker. But wait till you check out this guy's pad. Wait till you see his pad, man. International icon. An international yeah, icon. from the UN while stacking bare feet. My man's easy. See, the rest of us are trying to figure out, you know, should I say this? Shouldn't I say that? Should I present things this way? Should I do this bit? Should I read this article? Should I watch this video? This guy's come up with the perfect, the perfect routine. He just stands in front of people, doesn't say anything, stares at them and gets the fuck off stage. People are throwing money at him. I love it. I'm not jealous. I'm, I'm jealous of his genius, not what he's achieved. Even got his own solid onyx temple. Miracle by osmosis, says Jamie. Now, having taken an oath of silence, he doesn't even have to back up his powers. Imagine my excitement when I heard he would be blessing London for the first time. <laughs> Brazzo. Brazzo. I am a dickhead. Can a steering guru kill We're now approaching the church. <laughs> the service is about to start any minute. I want to know, I'm kind of gassed, is the power of silence going to cure my inner dickheadness? Time to find out. <laughs> my name's Alhan. Lovely to meet you. I'm quite a loud person. A lot of people call me a loud mouth or just a bit of a prick. Look, the, the sex pistols in their heyday wouldn't have got this many people into a room. It's insane. It's incredible. Sometimes you just have to take a step back. You know what I mean? You know, we live in a time, there's all kinds of crazy shit going on in the world. And maybe a lot of crazy shit was always going on and we just never knew about it. But I'm not sure that in, in eras gone by, somebody could make a legitimate world tour out of standing on stage and just staring at people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Has that ever happened before? I'd, I'd love to see him do like a comedy special kind of thing where he just stands at like pay-per-view and then you can just sit really close to the TV and look at him. He doesn't say anything, just stands there. <laughs> it's insane. What a crowd, says Ben. I know. Look, they're packed in. They can barely move. It's, it's convenient. All they can do is stare because there's no arm or leg room. They're just crammed in there like they're on a Japanese train in peak hour. Like, well, what can I can't cheer. I can't put a lighter up above my head and swirl it around. I'm just going to have to stare at this guy. There's no other options. So when he I stares, saw the power of he stares truth at people. <laughs> so I thought maybe it's my time to just come and relax yeah. and, and understand silence. This thing said that the best music is in silence. Yeah. Because it comes out of silence. I listened to Skepta. He once said, pure water and lots of ice. Ah, really? Yeah. 
I was gonna have to sit through some dead support acts before the main guy Bratso was gonna support grace acts. us with his presence. But it's gonna be worth it. When this foreign Donny comes, it cures me of being a prick. <laughs> it's gonna be worth it. When this foreigner comes and cures me of being a prick. Good this is good vice. I like this vice. Too many people. <laughs> Love the music, the ethereal nature. Thank you very much. Look at him. After observing Brasso, observing his presence, I was feeling myself great. I was full of joy, full of happiness, full of gratitude. This much two hours long. A man Three standing, hours. staring for five Three. minutes. Three hours of support acts, and then the guy comes out and stares for five minutes at the end of it. Um, by the time these got even wrap up and go home, he's already in his hotel room. <laughs> this guy's finessing everyone. <laughs> in a few moments, you will see Brasso. Wow. He will be looking at you. I hope you. you're ready for this. What you need to do is just to look at him all the time. Just look at him all the time. One instruction, just you, even the dumbest amongst us can't fuck this up, can't fuck up this miracle. There's no secret potion or anything. You don't have to get, you know, five pairs of crow's feet, a dinosaur egg, you know, the hair from a virgin and put it into a cauldron and stir it around. You don't have to do any of that for this miracle. You've just got to keep looking at him and don't look away and the world will be a better place. to receive what you need at most right now. Come on, let's do now, this. I would like to kindly on the miracle. you to stand up, please, if it is physically possible for you. And this was the big moment we've all been waiting for. Enter me, Bratzo. Enter me, Bratzo. Here he comes. Fascinating. It's fascinating to see a guy stand on stage and just stare. It's like, you know, do a fucking crossword or something, man. A crossword can be very therapeutic. It works the brain. Easy money, says Christy Christy. It's beyond easy money. Actually, you know what? I don't think it's easy at all. I don't think I could do it. Like if someone said to me, look, we're going to pay you a million dollars to go around the world, stand on stage for five minutes at a time and not say anything, I'd be like, I don't think I've got the discipline for this. I can't, I can't in good faith do this. <laughs> really? What, what am I doing here? You're just going to stand there and miracles will happen. Really? <clears throat> I don't know if I could. They'd, they'd find me like nine months later in an expose in the National Enquirer, you know, silent faith healer found with, you know, eight ball and 10 hookers. <laughs> in cheap hotel room in Amsterdam. 
he just he just stared at me for five minutes. The next thing you knew, I, I was high, throwing up in the toilet, and my panties were gone. I don't know what happened. He's a miracle worker, I tell you. <laughs> Why are you staring at the ceiling, fam? Come on, we've all paid 20 quid. Look at us in the eyes. That's it. Show's over, folks. These people look... It's like, encore! <clears throat> encore! And he comes back out and stands there for another minute. Rock on. Anyone here from out of town? Done. Now I can't tell if they've been deeply affected by Bratso's sacred stare, or if they just can't believe they've dropped 20 quid on his total scam. <laughs> That's true. If you're looking at the faces, you don't know. Are they, have they been moved? Have they been deeply affected? Or are they sitting there looking at each other going, really? This, this is what I paid for? You, you invited me to this? We could have gone to Disney on Ice tonight. We could have tried that new Indian curry house down the road. You mean we've been sitting here for three hours for that? The hell, thanks for the birthday present. You prick. You see me? Well, I've just been robbed, fam. Dr. Kamp, lovely to meet you. Yes, Alhan. And Ebru. Nice Who, who's also Turkish. Yes. Get me. Turkish man then finessing everyone for their peas and getting peas off the, the spiritual thing. You get me? Isn't that right? Finessing everyone. Yeah, let's get everyone's peas in that. <laughs> 20 quid the pop, you get me? So, um, <laughs> right, so. The, the gays. The London, the London speech pattern might be a little bit difficult for uh, some amongst us to follow. But he's basically like, you know, you're finessing people, get the peas. The peas are the pounds. You know, dropping 20 quid, they're finessing people, get 20 peas off it. All right, it's happening, it's off. You know, <laughs> he's basically bagging them out to their face. He's saying you're, you're ripping people off for 20 pounds, <laughs> getting people to drop 20 peas on this bullshit. You're finessing them, like you're, you're grifting them. The infamous stare, is it real? Of course it is real. Yeah. How did you find yeah. the whole, the, Br the Bratso experience? No, I didn't feel it quite the same this time. Mm. This time? I could smell. <laughs> this time? <laughs> we got a veteran amongst us. You know, it wasn't as good as back in, you know, back in 2012, I saw him and he fucking went off, man. The crowd was loving it. There was vibrations in the audience. But this time, eh, lacked, lacked a little something. Lacked a little bit of creativity, a little bit of spirit. It was a little stale. It was a little stale. I don't know what it was, but it was kind of like I've. It, it was almost like he was doing the same act. It's like you know, seeing a band two nights in a row and they play the exact same songs in the exact same order. You know, it was kind of feeling like that. I mean, I still loved it. Don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan, big fan, but it just felt a little bit samey. <laughs> I reckon once you've seen this once, it's like okay, like would you go back again? <laughs> Maybe he does so. Maybe next time he comes out on a unicycle and juggles, you know? Like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Fuck. <laughs> what, a, what a shock twist. What a plot twist. Wow. The smell roses. Yeah. Where are you from, first of all? Yes, I'm from Germany. At first, Germany. You have to go there for London for 24 hours. Does, does it really work? Ignore Does it really work? What does it really work? Like the Bratso. Yes. I expected nothing and experienced everything. What did you feel from the gaze? A message of love. Oh, there's Rebel Heart in the chat is offering a critique. He blinked too much. Blinked too much for mine. 
Negative review. <laughs> what we saw was a blinking, flinching display by this would-be miracle worker. One out of five tomatoes. Yeah. Do you think there's any resemblance to like a cult or something like that? No. No? No. no. Because a cult would want something from yeah. you. What if it was like money if he, if he wanted yeah. you to pay? <laughs> so far, nobody really managed to convince me of Bratso's power. But then, something unbelievable happened. A girl called me. I didn't used to get any girls. But literally, some girl just rang me. I tried to slide in her DMs multiple times. For, for how many days or weeks? Like months. Months? Yeah, she's just ignoring me. Oh, it works. It works. I come outside, she's calling me. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. There you go. I've been trying to slide in her DMs for months, and then all of a sudden, after I see Bratzo, she's calling me. The, the main thing is, somebody got laid. Wonderful stuff. Uh, got a couple more articles here. Let's burn through. Let's burn through. We're on a roll. This was a, a horrifying story. I don't know. Have you heard about this? Then we'll talk about it. I'm an animal lover and a dog lover. Jessica okay. News knows the Huskies who have been quarantined after one of them bit off a four-year-old's hand this past weekend. Had he known or saw the child on the other side? See, straight away, like if a dog bites off a four-year-old's hand, you're like, oh, this must be like a ravenous beast. This is, this is a funny one because it's not funny, ha-ha funny, but because it's like, it's weird. It's in the middle. It's not a clear-cut case of, oh, somebody needs to shoot this, you know, this rabies-riddled hellhound. It's a little bit different than that. It's, un it's an unfortunate, you know, series of events. I don't think this accident would have happened. One-year-olds, Puller and Bear. They're hyper... As most Huskies are. We're behind this fence Sunday when the young child reached his hand under the fence while wearing a sock over his hand. Do you see the problem here? The kid had a sock on his hand. So he's reached under the fence. What is a dog going to do? It's going to think it's a toy and bite into it and try to rip it away. You know, dogs play with like, you know, you put a ball in a sock and a dog will play tug of war with it, right? So this poor kid has stuck his hand in a sock. He's four years old. He doesn't know what he's doing. He stuck his hand in a sock and stuck it under the fence. And the dogs have thought, oh, it's playtime. And gone up and gone and ripped his hand off. It's incredibly sad, right? But see where it would ordinarily be a clear cut case of, you know, this is a dog that's mauled a child. So it needs to be put down. Not so anymore, right? So I just wonder what they're going to do. Bear bit down and the little boy lost the lower part of his arm. The Huskies are being held at the Davis County Animal Care Facility for 10 days. Then a judge will decide if... See, Sinsoak says in the chat, there's no middle. A dog bites off a kid's hand, immediate bullet to the head. But see, that's the thing. The, the dog didn't bite off a kid's hand. The dog was playing with a sock toy. Do you know what I mean? The dog, the dog didn't know that there was a hand in there. It sees a sock toy. <laughs> and bear will be put down. If that'll get the attention of Davis County Animal Control, then maybe that'll help save them. Jessica, who is a friend of the dog's owner, started a petition to save Polar and Bear's lives. He is my best friend's emotional support animal, and it would hurt her immensely if Polar 
got put down, especially since he's not the one who did anything. See, this is different. We were talking about a story last week, right, where um, a woman had an emotional support pit bull at an airport and the dog there went up and ripped some kid's face off. See, that's different, right? You are taking a pit bull into an, uh, you know, into a strange environment. Who knows if it's been socialized or not? And it went up and bit somebody on the face. Now that's a clear cut of bullet to the head. But on this occasion, the dogs are in their own backyard, and somebody basically stuck a sock under the fence, and unbeknownst to them, there was a hand in it. So I find it really strange. This, there's been a petition signed. There's like 200,000, 250,000 people have signed a petition to not kill these dogs. Don't you think it's interesting what they'll do? See, look at the, the chat. It's like 50-50. That's why I brought it up because I thought, you know, I, I, don't know what I, I don't know what the right thing to do is. But I tend to think like the dogs don't, the, the, the dog hasn't attacked a person. It's bitten down on a sock toy. See, Stefan in the chat, F, F that dog grew up on a farm, got attacked by two, the same dog, boom, owner shot at the second time. But do, do you think the circumstances are a little different? Good point. Who was watching the four-year-old? Well, that's, that's what I mean. The four-year-old was going into their space, not the other way around. If they'd been pit bulls, the no, those numbers would be way down. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Sinsake says, sorry, but I'm quick on the trigger. <laughs> That's all right, mate. That's all right. Speaking of trigger, unlicensed gun owner accidentally shoots himself in the penis. No dogs were harmed, by the way. You'll be pleased to know. You dog lovers out there, no dogs were harmed. Just a guy's penis. The victim, who remains in hospital, didn't have a license to carry a handgun in Indiana, police say. Oh, so fuck him then. An unlicensed gun owner in Indiana is recovering in hospital after accidentally shooting himself in the penis. Isn't that every guy's worst nightmare? The worst nightmare. You've got a gun in your pocket. Have you got a gun in your pocket or are you just bleeding to death from the scrotum? Mark Anthony Jones, 46, told police in Marion that he was taking a morning walk when the high point nine mil handgun he was carrying in his waistband began to slip. Get a holster, man. Get a holster. Get a holster. They're not that expensive. I bet, I bet you he's got a fucking holster now, right? <laughs> I bet you he's not tucking it into his waistband anymore. Jesus. That's that's called learning the hard way. Oops, shot off my dick. <laughs> Someone in the chat. He was cleaning his gun with his penis. <laughs> Can he transition now, says Othan Nathan. Good question. Good question. Maybe we can make those surgeries a lot cheaper by treating them like pulling a tooth out. You know, we can just tie the penis to the end of a bumper bar or a brick and throw it off throw it off a balcony. No, don't do that. That would be horrible. Let's shoot them instead. Gotta shoot something. Jones told police that when he reached down to adjust the unholstered gun, it discharged, shooting a bullet that entered just above his penis and exited his scrotum, literally blew his balls apart. According to a Marion Police Department news release posted on Facebook, they put his name in the fucking press release. So, God. 
The release notes that Jones doesn't have a license to carry a handgun in Indiana. Imagine shooting off your own dick and then getting arrested for not having a license for concealed carry. <laughs> Wouldn't you think losing your balls was punishment enough at that point? Hell no. You got to do some time, baby. Investigators have forwarded the case to Grant County Prosecuting Attorney, who will determine if Jones will face any criminal charges for the self-inflicted wound. God. (laughs) That's unfortunate. Holy shit. I don't even know what to say to this poor guy. Put the safety on. This guy doesn't have the uh, same troubles. Meet the man who drinks a pint of his own urine every day, claiming he has never felt healthier and that it tastes like bitter ale. A man has revealed he feels better than ever after he started drinking more than a pint of his own urine every morning and claims it tastes like bitter ale. He's filling up wine bottles with with the piss. (laughs) Maybe he can label it. Maybe he can get it out there. Fabian Farquharson, 37, from Sheffield, Sheffield, South Yorkshire, first stated the bizarre practice three years ago after reading about the purported health benefits online. The interior designer starts every day with a pint of fresh urine chased down with three to 400 mil of aged pee and claims the unusual thirst quencher has left him feeling healthier, happier and smarter. I bet you would be happier after that because once you're drinking a pint of your own piss every morning, I bet everything tastes like magic after that. You know what I mean? Like you could eat, you could eat cat shit after that. And go, mm, you know what? This isn't that bad. This isn't that bad. I could eat this. I could definitely eat this. I mean, it's not like drinking your own piss. How bad can it be? <laughs> he explained, "I'd been researching the alternative medicines when I read about drinking aged urine. I've always been open-minded about that sort of thing, so I decided to give it a go and drink it fresh. It tasted a bit like bitter ale initially." It was quite strong, but not a terrible taste, and I had no problem finishing the glass. It was about half an hour later that I started to feel amazing. I was absolutely bursting with energy. Now I'd never go a day without it and would recommend it to anyone. There he is. There he is, sucking down on a big bottle of piss. (laughs) Love and life. It's never felt better. Gag, says someone in the chat. Fabian first started researching alternative medicines and holistic recipes in 2013 when he kept experiencing pains in his stomach, which doctors couldn't get to the bottom of. He said, I was traveling a lot for work and eating junk food, Burger King, McDonald's, anything convenient. Maybe he feels better because he's not eating the Burger King anymore. It's like if you start drinking your own piss and stop eating Burger King, why would you then associate you feeling better with the piss? (laughs) It's gotta be it's gotta be the fact that I'm I'm chugging down a gallon of my own urine every week, you know what I mean? I, I can see no other explanation. Sure, I started exercising, I dropped the quarter pounders, I got out there, got some fresh air a lot more, but I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think the fact that I drink a nice frothy glass of my own urine every single morning is the sole reason why I feel so much better about myself today. What else could it be? <laughs> I've always been quite into holistic health, but then I started to adopt it into my life more, starting with my diet. Originally from Birmingham, which is which they would call Brum, Fabian adopted a fruitarian diet, eating raw fruits almost exclusively and immediately noticed a difference. 
maybe maybe your piss does taste a lot better if you're only eating nice, you know, fresh fruit. To be fair, <laughs> Kay asks in the chat, how's his love life? Good question. <laughs> kiss, kiss me, baby. <laughs> Gargle with a glass full of frothy piss. Hey, give me a kiss. I bet he burns through the toothbrushes. I bet his wife just has a stack of like 50 toothbrushes on the counter at all times. Use one and then throw it away. Use one, throw it away. What do you want to bet? James asks in the chat on YouTube. What do you want to bet this is a troll to see how many others will try it? Well, I mean, if we can get people sitting there in the audience paying 20 quid to, 20 quid to watch a guy stare into space for no reason whatsoever, come out and say that it's a fucking miracle. We, we'll, get the, we'll get the piss drinking guy up there next week and say, all right, everybody, put your dick in the glass. <laughs> Does anyone want one on the rocks? Now drink it quick because it's going to melt. Fabian recalled, I started to eliminate normal foods and ate only fruit. I'll use mangoes, pineapples and strawberries. See, that would I reckon that would make a pretty, you know, pretty nice pea smoothie, don't you? Any fruit, really. And add in chia seeds, flax seeds, and hemp powder. There we go. He's high. Got it. Figured it out. Hemp powder to make a smoothie. He's high. That's okay. He smokes a lot of weed. Problem solved. Problem solved. Done. Done. Mystery. Mystery revealed. Fabian said that his friends and families weren't that surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I think if if I think if you address your family and say, by the way, guys, um, I just want to tell you about what's happening in my life. I made some changes. I'm now drinking a, a nice glowing glass of my own piss every single morning. If they turn around and go, yeah, that makes sense, then I suggest you probably need new friends. <laughs> either either you need new friends or they really don't care much about what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they just, oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, he's, he's a crazy guy doing all sorts of weird shit. Makes sense to me. Tell Fabian not to put his gun in his waistband. It will destroy him. <laughs> Comment in the chat. The idea, Fabian says, is that by aging it, the urine goes through a magnification process and any alleged benefits will be more potent. Explaining the process of aging his urine, Fabian said, I store it in a glass in glass containers like mason jars label it and date with the date and then leave it for around 30 days. 30 days is the bare minimum for aging your urine, I would suspect. Industry standard. <clears throat> Industry standard. I'd like to see it in a nice oak barrel though. Mm, you know, I can really taste the earthy the, the earthy tones of this bouncing off my palate. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> All right. Got something here from the BBC. Let's stay in the old dart, the motherland of England. Uh, here's a BBC News special. Don't know how much of this will play. One thing Americans find hard to talk about. Yes, you guessed it. More racism. I think Americans don't talk about race in meaningful ways very much at all. I think Americans have um, very distorted ideas about race and racism and take very little responsibility for the 400-year history of racism in the United States. <laughs> they take very little... Americans today take very little responsibility for the 400-year history of race. How can they take responsibility for it? If you take responsibility for it, that means you did it. 
and you know, I don't want to be sexist or ageist here. And I know that um, not all older ladies have these views, but why is it always an old lady? Do you know what I mean? Why is it always an old lady who's trying to relive the 60s that comes out and says, we need to make radical changes. We need to, the time for revolution is now. And it has been ever since 1963. I don't know why that is the case. It's either like old white ladies or young, you know, malnourished students. One or the other. That whole in-between part never really seems to present itself, does it? In the United States. Don't you think it's appropriate to have a conversation about race in Massachusetts where... You know, the representation of said state is one one thousandth and twenty fourth uh, Native American. I think it's wonderful celebrating diversity in Massachusetts. Well done, BBC. I'm a psychologist by profession. I have been working for the. Again, look at the audience. All old white people. Why is why is that the case? Straight out of the sixties, man. I'm a psychologist by profession. I have been working for <laughs> Good the past comment in the chat. If you remember the 60s, you weren't really there. <laughs> There's an international peace building. And now, since the election in 2016, I've brought this work home to work in the context of the polarization in the U.S. across almost every kind of line of division we can think of. If you want to talk about polarization, why sh why aren't we talking about the fact that there is literally not one non-white person in this audience? We need to have a workshop to have better conversations about race. Oh no, it's a Klan rally. Oh no. The polarization in the US across almost every kind of line of division we can think of. I think I was around five and I told some other young people. Oh God, there's, you know what? There's nothing worse than um, people making pronouncements about, you know, the virtuous ways to deal with race in the Western world than those same people talking about their experiences with racism and then going back to something they said when they were fucking five years old. If you thought it was bad enough that they would go back through uh, Brett Kavanaugh's high school yearbook, guess again. Guess again. Mr. Kavanaugh, we have it on good authority that you referred to a black boy in preschool at the age of four as a Negro. Do you care to refute these horrifying claims, sir? Well, you know, I remember when I was five, I, I said something. Boo! Boo! That I was hanging out with, that I was Indian or Native or whatever terminology I was using at that age. And they, the only conceptualization that they could figure out was to... I know what they did. Was it that? Was it that? Because that seems like something a five-year-old would do, right? Am I right? Does that make sense? Wait, is that racist? Shit, I guess I'll never be a Supreme Court justice. Damn it! Damn it! think that what that meant they was me. that I was an Indian in a past life. It was easier for them to conceptualize someone having had a past life where they lived in a teepee and ran around barefoot than Close someone enough. having Indigenous heritage today. 
because of the pervasive message. Christy in the chat says, great old, great old Southern man action boogie. Mr. Kavanaugh, do you deny these charges? In New England, it's just that all the Indians were killed. My all children are being raised here in Western Massachusetts. How could all of the Indians be killed 200 years ago and you still be here, darling? Do you, do you see how logically that doesn't really work? All of my people were killed. My children are being raised here in Western Massachusetts, which is very different than how I was raised in the inner city of Brooklyn. And so for me in the inner city of Brooklyn, I was surrounded by black excellence. I was surrounded by um, um, folks that knew their worth and their value. Okay. Here, mm -hmm. I am surrounded by people who know their worth and their value and see my children as different from them. Fucking go back to Brooklyn. <laughs> right? Sorry. Sorry. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that an easy fix? If Brooklyn was so good and surrounded by excellence, then why are you living in fucking Massachusetts? Why are you there? That doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to sound harsh, but Jesus. Doesn't that make sense? I grew up in Brooklyn, I was surrounded by black excellence. But now I'm living in Massachusetts and there is no black excellence. We'll fucking go back to Brooklyn then. If that's what you want... Maybe you want something else out of life. Maybe you wanted something else for your children that isn't in Brooklyn. That's generally what happens when you move, when you live in different places. There are different things and different people and different reasons for different people living in different places. Right? It's like, man, you know what? It's nice in Massachusetts, but I just wish it was more like Brooklyn. What? Let's carry on. joined this group after looking and listening to the people who were there who said that they were interested in having meaningful conversation and not sitting around singing Kumbaya. Not everyone wants to uh, deal with these conversations. And it's I, I'm just curious, why is the room filled with white people who are discussing these programs of having a conversation about race, but we're yet to see a white person talk about race <laughs> in, the, in the project? So the people who cook up the project, the people who design this project for dealing with race in a modern context are all older white people. But all of the people they gather together, for, it's like it's like they're treating people who look different and sound different as a science experiment at this point. Don't you think? A bunch of old white people get together and say, we need to learn more about race. Tell you, I know a black guy, invite him in. Invite him in, we'll study him. I, I know an Indian girl, invite, invite your Indian girlfriend, we'll sit her down and we'll study her. We'll have a clipboard. Because we struggle with race. We struggle with this issue of race. You know, I'm a psychologist. I think it would be wonderful to get all of the minorities together in one room with us here as, you know, a bunch of white people. Let's get all the minorities together and we'll put them under clinical lab conditions. And we'll ask them questions and we'll watch them and we'll see how they interact. We'll ask them how they feel. And then us as the older white people will be more enlightened We'll understand them better because we're so ignorant now, you see. 
we've just got no, we've got no idea. We've got no idea. We live here in on the plains of Massachusetts, where where the Warren tribe ruled for millennia, hunting the wildebeest, singing songs about prairie living. The the Warren tribe. Oh, if I, oh yes, General Eaton, exactly. Oh, if only we weren't such bigots. Oh, the pain of it all. How can we ever overcome our bigoted inherited biases? I know. Let's invite all of the colored folk into a room, take out our clipboards and study their behavior. Then we will be able to say that we are the progressive and the enlightened. Yes. We will create a new dawn, a colorful dawn, a rainbow, all the colors under the sun. Once we have come to grips, once we understand what makes these strange people who look and talk funny tick. Yes, this is progress, ladies and gentlemen. This is progress. It's hideous. It's horrifying. It's belittling. It's insulting. And it's inherently retarded. Sorry. I don't care about your little, you know, in. I don't care about you in your golden years trying to go on some crusade to better understand brown people because clearly you don't understand humans. So start there. Start there and work up before you get to the complicated stuff. Married lesbian couple are now husband and wife after one became a man. <laughs> Isn't that awkward? See, my first thought when I read that headline is, hang on. So if the les, how could, if, if you, if you're a lesbian and you marry another woman because you're a lesbian and that woman now becomes a man, do you cease being a lesbian? Right? Like I'm, I'm genuinely trying to follow here. There's a state in Australia who wants to ban uh, conversion therapy. You know how the church does conversion therapy? Look, I don't know what to make of it. I don't really know enough about it. But I, I tend to think, well, if nobody's getting hurt, then, you know, physically harmed, if they're not, you know, held there against their will, then people can do whatever the hell they like. I'm, I'm pretty socially liberal in that regard. You know what I mean? Well, if you're not chaining people down and attaching electrodes to their balls and trying to shock the gay out of them, then, you know, if they're there by choice, then okay, go for it. I don't care. Do whatever the hell you got to do. But people are trying to ban it. So here's my question. If if you are born gay, right? If you are you if you're born gay, okay, let's put that as a premise and that's argued anyway, but let's assume that it's true. You are born gay, therefore conversion therapy is inherently wrong. Then if you're a lesbian who marries another woman and that woman then becomes a man, how are you still a lesbian if you stay together? Now, see, Blazy in the chat over on uh, Baisley in the chat is saying she's still a she. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know, but I'm taking it from their perspective, right? So if you um, believe that, you know, gender is a spectrum, and that um, somebody born a woman can indeed become a man, then this becomes possible. See, I'm not asking people who say there's two genders and nothing else, right? You, you already know what the answer is to this. 
but I'm asking the people who say that gender is a spectrum and people are born gay. Well, if gender is a spectrum, then it is possible indeed to go from being a woman to being a man. Okay? I'll give you that point. But if you are born gay, how can you then be married to a woman who becomes a man and still be gay? Right? I'm a lesbian who's married to a man. What? Does it count as a gay wedding? I don't know. I'm genuinely asking. Let's have a little look here. Let's see what's going on. Let's see if we can ascertain anything from this. I'm going to do what makes me happy. We're all just people. We're no different from you. We all bleed the same. See, no, that's, <clears throat> again, not trying to sound intentionally cruel here, but you can't start a story off with married lesbian couple are now husband and wife after one became a man and then say, we're just like you. No, no, you're not just like me. I, I, I didn't marry a, a gay guy who then became a woman. You know what I mean? So you, you're not just like everybody else. This is this. You understand this is a very rare thing that you're doing. This is not common. This is not, you know, quite uncommon. I'm dreaded to use the word, but this is not the norm, right? Oh, we're just like everybody else. No, you're not. <laughs> you're a lesbian couple who's now husband and wife because one in the couple became a man. That's not like everybody else. That's different to what everybody else is doing. Not everybody, but definitely the vast majority, right? Oh, just like everyone else. Well, no, not really. If it were just like everybody else, then we wouldn't need to, you know, talk about discrimination of a minority group, would we? Attracted to Tay as a man, just as the same as I was as a woman. Maybe even more. <laughs> I'm more attracted to Tay as a man than as a woman. But I'm a lesbian. People people in the chat are like, I'm I'm confused. But me too. James saying they have succeeded in confusing people that weren't confused. I mean, it took a while, but they got me in the end. They got at this point I'm I'm like, okay, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. Hands up. I don't fucking know. I don't know. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I admit it. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Again in Florida. There's something in the water down in Florida, I think. It's a strange state. There's a lot of strange happenings that happen down in Florida. General Eaton asks, if you marry an attack helicopter that becomes a fighter jet, can it still hover? Good question. Good question. <laughs> I'm going to need your help. Going to okay. tape my breast I'm down. Because this I'm will take most of my day up. Hold it. I like buy these every single day. So I throw these away after the day. So I spend tons of money on these. Probably like around $200 a month just for those. Wow. And my doctor says it's perfectly fine. He said it gets unsafe when you put too much on. Too much pressure. And you keep it on all night if you sleep. $200, what was it, a month? On uh, bra flattening, uh, boob flattening bandages. Hey, who, who said it was cheaper? Who said male fashion was cheaper? Am I right? Who said who said it was cheaper shopping for men? You fucking liars. With the binding on, because 
Well, welcome to manhood. Then you can like suffocate. She, this this definitely is a man though because uh, they're self-conscious about their bitch tits, which I totally understand. I get it. I get it, man. Bro, I, I'm, I've been there. I get it. <laughs> it's something that so many men struggle with every day. You are a fucking genius coming up with this bandage idea. Once again, males, proud males with pot bellies will be able to stroll the beach without the fear of embarrassment. Well done. And then it kind of just it's sticks together, bandage. which makes it a lot easier. And then, of course, if you put a sports bra on, it's designed to, you know, yeah. like make them flat too. So it makes it even more flatter, but it's what you're comfortable with. But yeah, so this is Doing good. our daily routine. Daily, <laughs> daily, every I'm day. And I'm Nay, and he used to be my girlfriend. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Next is the strap on, says stop incumbency. <laughs> We've been together for five years now. I've been with her since I was 17 and she was 14. Yep. And we've been uh, okay. married for six months now. Um, actually, seven months now. It's February. Yep. We're best friends. We're yeah. really close. Yeah, we were very close. Um, actually, our family members and the people that we surrounded ourselves with were the people who told us that we even like liked each other before we even the owner and ceo of tavshow.com ladies and gentlemen james r says in the chat over on youtube i'm gonna have to start strapping my man boobs down now thanks boogie you're welcome you're welcome you're more than welcome told ourselves so i guess it was kind of obvious he used to yes <laughs> Kimmy Jong -un, thanks for joining us he used to be my girlfriend or photos from when we first start dating and this is pretty um, this is Clark University. That was a choice of college that we both was gonna go to. It was new for me to kind of like be with a girl. Um, I always just, I guess, just told myself I like boys. I don't know. <laughs> does, does anybody need to address the glaring oversight in this logic? I guess I just always told myself that I like boys. But aren't you now sitting with, you know, again, if we assume that the pre you know the pretext if we assume the fundamental axiom of gender in this context that it is a spectrum and not like a hard and fast thing are you not now still interested in boys considering that you're fucking married to one by your own definition right like what am i missing here well i just convinced myself that i liked boys this is my husband who used to be a girl what then don't you kind of still like boys if you're Girlfriend is now a boy. Okay. Um, and then when Tay came around, it just kind of came naturally. I was just like, oh, okay. Hey. <laughs> wow. I How self-confusing must it be? So Because she now has to refer to her then-girlfriend, now-husband, as a he from now on. So did you hear what she said there? I, I just thought that, you know... Um, I, I told myself that I was interested in boys, but then when I hold, when I held his hand and walked around, it made sense to me because the, the he used to be a she. So she's talking about when she was holding hands with a she, it made sense to hold hands with a she and not a he, but she has to refer to the she as a he because she is now a he. <laughs> Are you following it along at home? Should I do a flow chart? Maybe we need some kind of graph or something to map this out. 
map out the chain of events. I was a she who thought I liked he's, but I really liked she's because I held his hand. That's where, that's where we're at. Okay, let's carry on. I think that's probably is the last time I wore a dress, and that was my grandma wedding. And I was probably like, hmm, nine? But I, I don't wear dresses. This is kind of like my look. Sweatpants, jeans, button-up shirts. I don't like the girly stuff at all. Never did. Oh, I've been lesbian since I was young, so my family was open to it. The only thing they disagreed for a little bit was the age difference. I was 17 and she was 14 at the mm -hmm. time. But now it doesn't seem too bad because wow. I'm 22 and she's about to be 22 and she's 19. First movie tickets that we ever bought, and that's our first picture that we ever took. Actually, that's the second. Well, okay, well, one of the, oh, it doesn't, oh. When I first met him, like, you know, he dressed like a boy. He wanted. Comment in the chat from Dawn Johns. Respect. Respect. Understand and respect humanity. You don't have to understand sex preferences you're never going to experience. Don't tell me that I need to understand something and then say I don't have to understand it in the same sentence. Because then we're getting into the same logical um, spaghetti bowl that I'm talking about here. So... Trying to understand something does not mean you hate it. Trying to understand something does not mean you're intolerant of it. And if, you know, my my cynicism or sarcasm is an issue, then I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, we can't simultaneously say something is normal when it's not and say that we need to understand something that we're not allowed to ask questions of and poke around at. If that's the case, why understand anything you're not going to experience? Most of us will never go to the moon. Why study rocketry? Most of us aren't going to be cancer surgeons. Why study health, right? We're never going to experience what it's like to do brain surgery. Why study anything to do with the brain? Tay22 started his hormone replacement therapy a year ago and wants to have surgery. His wife, Anya, says it doesn't matter what gender her husband is, as she will love him regardless. Great, but then you're not a lesbian. Am I wrong? If you if you care not for the gender of the person that you are engaged in a relationship with, then you can't you definitionally you're not a lesbian. Or are we now redefining lesbians? I wonder if the lesbians would have something to say about that, that lesbians can now be attracted and married to men. I would, I would think maybe um, a large portion of the lesbian community might take some issue with that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Being a lesbian means I can be married to a man now and love a man? Be attracted to a man? I didn't think that was possible. Now it is. Welcome to the brave new world. Wonderful stuff, isn't it? Two arrested after sisters had jealous competition to have sex with their dad. A father-daughter pair was arrested for incest after two sisters competed to have sex with their dad. Police say, well, I've got a question. Uh, why are we questioning somebody's sexual preferences, right? I mean, most of us aren't going to be involved in an incestuous relationship. Isn't it wrong for us to, like, why are we trying to understand it? Why is it illegal? Am I wrong? Serious question. I want you to think about it. If... um. If it's not our place to ask questions and have opinions on the sexual preferences of others, why are we against incest? Anybody tell me that?
I'll give you a minute to think about it. Nothing. Okay. Travis Fieldgrove, 39, and his 21-year-old daughter, Samantha Kirshner, were arrested in Nebraska on Wednesday after their alleged intimate relationship was discovered. Krishna reportedly told authorities her motivation to have sex with her father stemmed from a jealous competition with her half-sister regarding who could have sex with their father. Talk about a booby prize. It was a competition to see who could have sex with their father. That, that doesn't sound like a competition I would, want to be, I would want to be involved in. Like imagine instead of getting a trophy at the end, you get this, this. This is your trophy. This guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, I've got a great idea for a game. Fuck no. Uh, 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 honey. Uh, uh, honey. What a prize. The prize pig. Krishna grew up without her dad, but she told her mother that she wanted to find out who her father was in 2015, Kirshner told police. Her mother identified Fieldgrove and the two arranged a meeting. Dawn says, I took, you took my comment out of context. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Her mother identified Fieldgrove and the two arranged a meeting. Over the next three years, the pair had a traditional father-daughter relationship before they allegedly became sexually involved. On September 10, 10, 2018, Kirshner told police. Both declined to tell police how the relationship became sexual, although Kirshner later told authorities that the jealous competition with her half-sister. On October 1, 2018, the pair got married at the Adams County Courthouse in Hastings, Nebraska, which no longer requires a blood test prior to obtaining a marriage license. Hey, who are we to stand in the way of other people's love? Don't be a bigot. Respect. Fieldgrove later told police that he did not believe he was Kirshner's father because his name was not listed on her birth certificate. Both he and Kirshner provided DNA to authorities for a paternity test, the results came back on January 14 and determined that the probability that Fieldgrove is Kirshner's father is 99.999%. Fieldgrove later wrote on Facebook, claiming that the test revealed Kirshner was not his daughter. Both were arrested on Wednesday and each charged with one count of incest, according to Grand Island, Nebraska Police Department. There you go, the happy couple. And once again, the government needs to step in the way of love. Why can't we just love love? It's not right. Again, I would say, who are we to stop? Who are we to stand in the way of people and their love? It's not our business. You shouldn't have an opinion on it. You should just celebrate it. Uh, I thought this was fun. This was a little, you know, those little panels. I love these little panels that CNN do. We're jumping around a bit. I love these little panels that CNN do where they get in and ask people a bunch of dumb loaded questions and hear their responses. So let's play a couple of minutes of this. Check this out. General Eaton says, it's like we're going over the 12 new perversions one by one. Well, <laughs> welcome to CNN, comrade. <laughs> Perversion number nine. Okay, today is part two of the Pulse of the People in which I talk to a group of Democratic voters from Ohio, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, all of whom voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. As you're about to hear, they have very mixed feelings about the prospect of impeachment, but they are crystal clear 
on who they see as the future of the Democratic Party. Good comment from O'Reilly. Oh, really? Over on YouTube, he's saying, I'm not saying all parents with neck tattoos are usually are always shitty. I'm just saying they're usually shittier. That's a that's a fantastic that's a fantastic distinction to make, sir. Well done. There's a lot of talk Pulse about how people. strong the Trump- Pulse of the people, the six people that we have handpicked to be on this panel. Pulse of the handpicked six people in the studio right now. Trump base is. How many of you are worried that that's going to be tough to beat? Totally worried. I'm absolutely worried. Worried. Because even people who, you know, I've seen in my own family who voted for him and then sort of, you know, recanted and were like... To be fair, this is progress on behalf of the Democrat voters. You've got to give credit where it's due. We've got to give them a tip of the hat. Because in 2016, they weren't worried at all. Now they're worried that Donald Trump might win the election. So it's it's pro. Well done, well done. We've managed to move along the emotional scale up to the next point. Well, I I I never used to worry about Donald Trump winning the election. Now I'm a little bit concerned. Well, that's progress. This is good. This is like if you're in a therapy session right now. The psychiatrist or the psychologist would say, I, I think you're making real strides here. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about this worry? Where do you think this worry comes from? You know, I think you're making real strides to address things. Stop incumbency asks, are these people chipped? Good question. <laughs> kind of looks like it, doesn't it? <laughs> if I do say so myself. The Dems have evolved. Yes, original revolution. Trump voters recanted. I call BS. The cherry popper Jennifer Briggs in the chat. Doesn't believe. I don't believe it. Fake news. Like, oh, my God, what did I do? Are now sort of coming back around. And that troubles me. But I think that they are tied to the party Uh. more than the person. But I thought we were making real progress here. I thought we were making strides. As Rebel Heart says in the chat, I thought it was a breakthrough. But then we say, no, no, they're tied to the party more than they are to the person being Donald Trump. Yes, that's why all of those people who were first-time voters and long-time Democrat voters and people who bitch about Republicans voted for Donald Trump because they love the Republican Party more than they love him. Great, great, great work, comrade. Great work. By the way, my wife is my, actually just on that last that last story. We have to do this. Just just reminded of something. Let me let me find something for you. Uh, da, 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 da. Just while we're on it, just to cap it all off. In regards to the confusion about uh, family structures these days. Okay. Just about, you know, how some of us struggle with these new definitions of families and, you know, men and women are simultaneously men and women and lesbians now love men and stuff like this. So I just thought I'd put this up and see if, see if you can follow along at home. Many, many years ago when I was 23, I was married to a widow who was pretty as can be. This widow had a grown-up daughter who had hair of red. My father fell in love with her and soon they too were wed. 
this Are you following along at home? The great Ray Stevens is explaining modern family structures. My dad, my son-in-law, and really changed my life. And now my daughter was my mother, because she was my father's wife. And to complicate the matter, even though it brought me joy, I soon became the father of a bouncing baby boy. Just, I just wonder if this um, this song is inherently intolerant now or not. I don't know. My little baby then became a brother-in-law to dad. And so became my uncle, though it made me very sad. For if, if he were my uncle, then that also made him brother of the widow's grown-up daughter, who was, of course, my stepmother. Father's wife then had a son who kept them on the run. And he became my grandchild, for he was my daughter's son. My wife is now my mother's mother, and it makes me blue. Because although she is my wife, she's my grandmother too. (laughs) Now, if my wife is my grandmother, then I'm her grandchild. And every time I think of it, Nearly drives me wild. Context, exactly. Because now I have become the strangest case you ever saw. As husband of my grandmother, I am my own grandpa. Oh, I'm my own grandpa. There you go. Just a little tune to celebrate the diversity of the modern family unit. I think it's sensational. Where were we? Oh, yeah, we were getting the pulse of the people. Democrat voters are now worried, but they're progressing slowly, very slowly. Having the Congress, having the Congress be... Uh, <laughs> Dawn the in the chat, group. you're a good sport, Dawn. She says, life was complicated enough. <laughs> I'm with you there. I think most people can agree. ...now is extremely important on this issue because we can uh, really hold his feet to the fire and, and bring out to the American public so much of the terrible things that he's done. So I think Such we have that... Benefit. Such as... Now we can bring out some of the terrible things he's done. Yes, my name is Michael Cohen, and in 2005, I was in a limousine with Donald Trump, and he called somebody a mean name. He's a racist, and he's a cheat. And and he had sex with a porn star... And I love my family, I love my wife, I love my children. I'm a generous man. You know, it's about time we hold this orange beast's feet to the fire. Hold his feet to the fire. We uncover the horrible, terrible things that he's done. Back in 2005, Donald Trump referred to a Negro by a bad name. What? Oh, oh, sorry. Donald Trump said a bad word. Michael Cohen, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Cohen! Woo! Thanks for joining us, Michael. Co-conspirator. Right? Yes, he is. That Michael Cohen testimony. I mean, yes, there's a is. check with his name on it when he was in the office the thing is, of the president. I don't think they care. I don't think no. that they care. I think yes! The day- this chick gets it. She gets it. I don't think they care. <laughs> wow, there you go. We re- We are making progress. We are making strides. Now this is a fucking breakthrough. 
they think that he's done what he set out to do. And so it doesn't matter what's said because they don't, again, they're going to go back to voting the party line. How many of you, show of hands, think that the Mueller... They're going to go back to the party line. The, the Republicans don't even go back to the party line. Look at all the Republicans now not doing what Donald Trump wants them to do in regards to the emergency funding bill, right? They're going to vote the party line. They're, they're, they're all under a mind spell by Donald Trump. He's got them all. He's got them all enchanted. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're all just doing what he wants. It's like a cult. It's like a cult. Meanwhile, you go anywhere on the internet and you will find thousands, millions of Republicans going, fuck the rhinos, fuck the Republican Party, fuck the establishment, I hate them. <laughs> and these people have the audacity, they have the balls. They, they, must, they must need a, you know, heavy machinery to carry their balls around to come out and say this shit on cable TV and say, well, they're just, it's a cult of Donald Trump, they're following the party line, bullshit. Pretty much every Republican I've ever spoken to hates the rhinos. They they hate they almost hate the Republicans in their own party more than they hate you on the Democrat side. That's how much they don't vote party lines. What sort of inane dribble is this? Has anybody got a dribble bib? Let's find out where we buy the breast tape bandages and pick up, you know, half a million dribble bibs as well. <laughs> A report will reveal a crime. Mm. A new crime? I don't know. I think it's probably at this point old news. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Who thinks the Mueller report will reveal a crime? <laughs> Have you noticed that they're not really putting the hand up there? You know what? We should freeze frame that and just put underneath it Heil Hitler. Vote Dem, Dem voters on impeachment and future of the Democrat Party. Heil Hitler! Heil Hitler! Democrat voters salute, salute their spiritual head. Here's a group of Democrat voters discussing the future of the Democrat Party. Heil Hitler! I think it's probably at this point old news, whatever yeah, it's going to I mean, come out. Yeah, crimes. Right. <laughs> Nazi crime. Pelosi. Think that there'll be an indictable crime. Yes. Indictable, but whether or not that'll happen or not is no, indictable. There's so many yeah. things that have been yeah. happening already that have happened that are indictable. I don't think that I, w I was so looking forward to the Mueller report coming out and being like, yeah, this is the nail in the coffin. We're going to walk him in right. right out of the White House. And now the closer we get to it, you know, and the more stuff that has come out and come out, I, I really honestly, it, I don't know that it's actually going to do much because well, we why? But what's But why? Why can't we arrest Donald Trump now? Why can't we kick out Donald Trump? But daddy, I want a Democrat president now. Another Willy Wonka reference there for the fans. <laughs> daddy, I want an impeachment now. Don't care how I want it now. Changed. I mean, what made you think that it was going to be an open and shut case and now you don't think that... Because I've seen so many other... We've already seen so many other indictable things that we really? just kind of sit on or it goes away. What? <laughs> Why don't they ever tell us what these things are? Just give me one! Just one! Just give me one indictable thing. Just one! It's... It's, <laughs> it's like... I mean, we have seen so many crimes. 
Like, it would be stupid of me to name any individual crime because there's just so many of them. I could, it would be so dumb to sit here and mention an individual crime because the guy has basically committed every crime on the books. You see how this works? <laughs> just one, just one. What do you want Congress to do about it? I mean, they have to impeach. If the president is accused of high crimes and misdemeanors, and we have proof and evidence of that, I mean, it's their duty to defend the Constitution. Not I, I love I love the qualifiers. If, <laughs> what do you mean if? If the president is accused of high crimes and misdemeanors, that's kind of, that's like both ends of the spectrum, isn't it? He's accused of treason and saying bad words. And if we have evidence of these things, then the Congress, we have to impeach. See how the impeach comes first, and then it's like, if. <laughs> we have to impeach him. I mean, if he's, you know, if we have evidence, of course. But we have to impeach. If. Not the party, not the politics. How many of you think that the Congress should move forward with impeachment proceedings? Yeah, should. Yeah. When the sure. should. The one guy that we haven't heard speak yet, the, the black guy in the corner, he's probably the only reasonable one because he was the one who was like, yeah, I don't know, you know, about the crimes and stuff. He's not putting up his hands. We we can't hear him speak. He must be making too much sense too often. So we got to cut that that cut that shit out. That's that's now you know celluloid on the bottom of the um you know editing floor, a big pile of film. Should's oh, a horrible word. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. There's a lot of things that should happen, Absolutely. and there's duty. Why are these white people speaking over the top of a black man? By the way, racist. I knew it. I knew it. Didn't you know it? Where's that picture again? Why are these white people speaking over the top of a black man? I know why. Heil Hitler! Heil <laughs> Hitler! That's why. Nancy Pelosi and Heil Hitler speaking over the top of a black man. Bunch of racists. I tell you. There's a lot of things that should happen. Absolutely. And their duty if the, if, when the report comes out, if that's right. what it is. You would all be comfortable with moving towards, uh, moving towards impeachment, even though you know how it played out the last time. You need him voted out. Yeah. You need... You need the you need everyone to go to the polls and vote him out. There you go. That's fair enough. People will accept voting out. The the white people, the white people, the the rest of the Nazi party sitting here, if they're not Heil Hitler, they're like, get in there and drag him out. Put on our boots and our brown shirts and we will go step into the White House and hang him by his neck until he is dead. Al Hitler! <laughs> You know, you know that's kind of ridiculous. What we need to do is vote him out. This we have a we have a system, and you know if people don't like him, they should vote vote him out. You silly black man! Halila, we will drag him out of the White House, and never never again will be be called a minority. We need to vote him. Vote him out. Kind of, how could they let this radical guy on TV? How could they do this? Vote it out. Yeah. You need, you need the, you need everyone to go to the polls and vote him out. For him to be impeached, that's almost like just another, some more fuel to the fire yeah. for his yeah. base. For him, like, okay, see what happened. See, they couldn't beat us. 
the old-fashioned way, and they had to beat us this way. We'll yes. never convict him I in like the Senate. Right. We'll spend months and months talking about it instead of talking about the candidates. Yep. And ultimately, I think it would be healthier for the country to um, kick him out of office via the ballot box. And Nancy Pelosi agrees with you. Yeah. Nazi Pelosi. I got to tell you, uh, prior to Trump, I was sort of over Nancy Pelosi. Oh, now, love her however, I think she is the right person in the right place, and we need her strength, and we <laughs> you know that she did not back down. <laughs> she did not back down. She resisted. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi is officially on the books, on the record, as the most unpopular Speaker of the House of all time in American history. More than the guy who was a pedophile, believe it or not. Democrats... Nancy Pelosi to Democrats is like one of their most hated politicians. They can't stand her. They can't stand Nancy Pelosi. And isn't it ironic, all the people who, like, when they're not flashing Heil Hitler signs and talking about, you know, impeachment, they're like, oh, Nancy Pelosi, she's the right person for the right job at the right time. <laughs> her strength, she resisted. On, on the wall to me was like, uh, yeah. thank you. Just thank, thank you for standing you. in there and not moving, for standing your ground. So I actually think that she is in the right place at the right time. Well, we could do a rock. We could get a rock to do that. Thank you for standing your ground and not moving. Thank you for just standing there. We could get a, man a store mannequin could do that job. It would dribble less too. I think Nancy is symbolic of my excitement about the women candidates. Uh, She's a woman who knew what she had to do. She didn't have her ego driving this. She's making all the right moves. She's standing up. Wouldn't it just be utterly sensational if America votes in their first female president in 2020 and then the female becomes a man? <laughs> then the female becomes a man and it's like, I'm a traditional, I'm in a traditional marriage now. I think that would, I think that would just make everyone happy. Don't you? We can please everybody here. Up, uh, for, for so many things. And I think that's a symbol of how a woman leader will be as president. I just feel so much safer with her <laughs> great, speaker. Great comment in the chat from O'Reilly. <laughs> says, wow, she hated her until she hated Trump more than she loved her. <laughs> They're very fickle. It's very, it seems very easy to win the, win the hearts and minds of the Democrats these days. You've just got to be better than Trump, apparently. <laughs> And I, I think we've given us, her, her enough credit on her progressive Psych. credentials before, honestly. And yet, I mean, doesn't it also speak to the old guard, the establishment, somebody having experience? I mean, all the things. Oh, that we love the establishment are, now. That are not in fashion. In 2016, it was like vote Bernie, feel the burn. Now it's Nancy Pelosi. Doesn't it speak? Don't don't you just love the establishment? Don't you just love the old guard? Isn't Nana Nancy just patting our heads? Don't don't you just fucking love the establishment, Yan? Come on. This is the pulse of the people we're talking about here. I mean, I mean, don't you love the entrenched power of the establishment? Absolutely. Heil Hitler! <laughs> okay. I think we've milked the Nazi jokes about as far as we can. Let's get creepy. Let's get freaky. Alien civilization created moon after Martian race was destroyed. Bizarre claim. An ancient alien civilization on Mars created the moon after their planet was destroyed in a huge disaster. Um, well, I guess this ancient alien civilization, for all of their technological wizardry, 
they they just had no interior design instincts whatsoever. It's like we are a master race of alien beings. There is nobody more advanced than us in the universe. We have the ability to make our own planet. How should we decorate it? I don't know. Lots of craters and sand and shit. Really? Should we put some trees on there or maybe a beach or something? Nah, fuck that. Don't worry about that shit. I just want a barren wasteland of craters and sand and nothing else. It seems the more hyper-advanced you are, the less imagination you have, apparently. For centuries, people have wondered about a civilization which once lived on Mars, and now one person has established a theory. Just one. Yeah. First guy. First guy to come up with a Mars civilization theory. Oh, my God. You've got to hear this. You've got to hear this. This is groundbreaking. Yo, Johnny, did you hear? Hear what? Hear what, Michael? Some guy came up with a theory about an ancient alien civilization? (gasps) What? No. No. Oh, yes. A user on Reddit. Well, I'm, I'm sold. Posted his theory on the social media site, which claims that Martians were forced to flee their planet when disaster struck. (laughs) As a result, the aliens created our moon as a new base as to rescue as many of the population as possible. Well, good job. Where are they? Where is this population? (laughs) Not only did they create a planet which is a barren wasteland with nothing but sand and craters and shit, and no oxygen, by the way. No atmosphere. Shouldn't boss when we design this, shouldn't we have like some kind of ability to breathe and live and survive? Shouldn't we shouldn't we design put that into the zone? Nah, don't worry about it. It's gonna be fine. I just want a big dead rock floating around. People will love it, man. Think of the possibilities. Planets of the rich and famous. The Redditor Braticus wrote, I think the moon is not only an artificial structure. Can you believe, like, see, this is why I love uh, the shitty British tabloids, because they will actually write an article about what some guy on Reddit named Braticus thinks about ancient civilizations building the moon. (laughs) You can't get that anywhere else. You can't get that in the Washington Post, the New York Times. You can't even get that on Fox News. They're too concerned about Jesus and shit. You know what I mean? They don't know how to they don't know how to explore a theory. <laughs> really dig your teeth in. I think Mars was home to intelligent life and they faced a catastrophic planetary event and our moon was created to rescue as much of their population as possible. It was manufactured as an ark by Martians in the very very distant past, a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. Look at the surface of Mars, it's obvious something something catastrophic occurred. Oh, it's obvious. Bradicus is not the first person to suggest that the moon uh, has, uh, pardon me, to suggest that an ancient Martian theory was wiped out. Dr. John Brandenburg, a plasma physicist working as a consultant at Morningstar Applied Physics, believes there is evidence of a nuclear war on the planet, which was ultimately the downfall of the civilization there. He wrote in his book, Death on Mars, that nuclear isotopes found on the red planet resemble those from hydrogen bombs on Earth. Martian civilization apparently perished due to a planet-wide catastrophe of unknown origin. See, I don't want to tell a, uh, an, you know, a, a plasma physicist how to suck eggs, but you know the sun is basically an ongoing nuclear reaction, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that 
millennia ago, somebody was living on the sun and then decided to blow it up, you know? The matter that is in the um, that is on Earth is also elsewhere in the universe. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like I have a theory about the sun. Somebody fired nukes into it two million years ago, and it's never stopped. They kept a lot of those candles that keep reigniting. That's that's what that's how we explain the sun. According to Dr. Brandenburg. Earth could suffer a similar fate if we do not learn from the supposed signs of Mars End. You don't want to end up like Mars, do you? Holy cow. We'd have to design a new moon. Can we at least get a lazy boy and a plasma TV on it this time? Because this drab barren moon with no creative flair whatsoever. How about a bit of feng shui? A bit of, you know, lunar feng shui wouldn't go astray, would it? How about some good vibes next time we design an escape planet? Please. Aliens on Mars, ancient alien face in NASA rover photo is 100% proof of UFOs on Mars. Let's have a little looky here. Okay, looking for a face. Can you see a face there? I'm not seeing it. Can somebody tell me where the face is? Ancient alien face. Couldn't an alien face look like anything? An alien face might look like a bowl of chicken chow min for all we know. We've never fucking seen one, have we? (laughs) Oh my God, look, it's an alien face. How would we know? UFO hunter Scott Waring claims to have come across an alien human-like face in one of NASA's many pictures of the red planet. There is a psychological uh, phenomenon that human beings are afflicted with, whereby we will see objects because we map faces subconsciously. And that's like, a, people say that's an evolutionary trait. So, you know, if someone is, you know, gritting their teeth, like you instantly have an emotional reaction, which means, you know, danger might be coming or something. And we develop this over time in order to respond without having to think about, you know, imminent threats or, um, you know, love or laughter and shit like that, right? So our brains are programmed to instantaneously map and look for facial features in things. They've done studies on this stuff. This is why people, you know, little kids say that they see um, faces in a dark room because our brain will subconsciously try to make it look like a face. Anthropomorphism. Thank you, General Eaton. You're a, you're a very smart little cookie. <laughs> James R., the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com <laughs> over in the chat says, Rot the fuck is chicken chow min? <laughs> you don't know what chicken chow min is? God, you've missed out. You haven't lived. In a video updated to YouTube, Mr. Waring said, well, th- that is just really amazing to me. It's really amazing that these objects can exist here on Mars and that they go totally overlooked. Maybe it goes totally overlooked because most people don't see what the fuck you see for whatever reason. One reason or another. He then said he found a cyborg face buried in the Martian soil, which he has never come up, uh, which has never come across before. Mr. Waring said the bizarre find was the most exciting alien discovery yet and proves ancient Martians integrated with robot technology. I don't know. I feel like with these kinds of people that look for alien faces on Mars and cyborg faces on Mars, I'd, I'd wager 
I'll bet you $20 that I can take a shit on the beach and then send it to them and they'll say it's evidence of some ancient civilization. You know what I mean? Just cover it over with sand a little bit, squash it with your boot. Next thing you know, I can see a face. I can see a face. See that thing that looks like a, a Nike swoosh? That's the alien smiling. You know what I mean? It's an alien smiling face on this sandy planet. Oh, and there were brown people there. <laughs> face looking up. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but these, but could these alien discoveries be genuine artifacts left behind by ancient aliens or is something else at play here? Yeah, I, I want to keep that something else option open for now. Just, just quietly. If it's just between you and me. Mars ground squirrels. I've seen the pics, says Stefan Sears. The most likely case is Mr. Waring is falling prey of a peculiar mind trick known as pareidolia. Pareidolia is a well-known psychological phenomenon which causes people to see faces. Oh, there you go. Shapes and patterns where they do not exist, such as faces and structures on Mars. Well, there you go. It appears easy enough to fool people. But maybe there is ancient civilizations on Mars. Maybe they did construct the moon. But hopefully we learn a little from our mistakes and make it a little bit more zhushed up next time. Maybe we can get the queer eye from the straight the queer eye for the straight guy guys up on the moon and do a little bit of redecorating. Fab it up a bit. You know what I mean? So boring. I think people would be like they would really love NASA more if there was actually something on the moon to go to. Maybe they need a theme park or something. Anything. Anything. All right. <laughs> With that, uh, we'll take a quick five-minute pee break. Stefan was asking for a pee break. When we come back, we'll go over your tweets that you sent in. If you stick around, thank you for doing so. If not, we'll see you next time. See you in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 930 to 1030 right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 1130, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha. James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TAVshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TAVshow.com Friend and foe alike, join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stream Me, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? 
Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, those kinds of comments, whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's it's there's fear of capitalism because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down squashing you trampling on your dreams you need to get rid of them that's selling fear there's fear of freedom i mean why do why do you think why do you think safe spaces exist the people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings trigger warnings just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie, that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them.
Welcome to the Daily Boogie. And we're back. Thanks for sticking around. If you did, if you didn't, so long, sucker. For those interested, yes, I did collect my pee. I'm going to start drinking it as soon as the show's done. Just a reminder, if you don't want to sit here and watch the live stream, you can, of course, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Podbean, Player FM. Hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. And of course, if you'd like to send me pictures of you drinking your own pee, please do so on Twitter at boogie bumper. We did the wine in a Pringles can episode. Do you remember that? That was a lot of fun. People had fun with it. They sent in pictures of themselves with the wine in the Pringles can. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Next week, pee in a jar. <laughs> Make sure you have a lot of fruit, though. Make sure you drink a lot of, eat a lot of fruit first. Oh, really? You don't say over on YouTube. Yes, Ben, I know it's you now. <laughs> Thanks to the guys who... um you know, jumped on the YouTube and shared that link. Like I said at the start of the show, uh, we lost stream.me. It's unfortunate. So I didn't want to just be on Periscope. So I really appreciate the people who um, subscribe to the channel and try and build up that YouTube channel. It's hard graft when you're an, when you're an, a non-entertaining foreigner who talks about people drinking their own pee and possible life on Mars of super, super intelligent beings with no interior design qualities at all. But we'll do our best anyway. So, my favourite part of the show, let's get to your stuff. First up, the General Eaton, who always sends quality shit. US Army assures the public that robot tank system adheres to AI... Ooh, yes. Getting into our favourite topics here. U.S. Army assures public that robot tank system adheres to AI murder policy. <laughs> Why would you doubt the tech boffins at the U.S. Army? You know what I mean? Nothing can go wrong. What? You're worried about a, a tank that with a gun the size of that? A gun that would make John Holmes blush? You're worried about a tank with a gun that's controlled purely by AI shooting innocent people? Just relax. It's going to be fine. It's not going to harm anybody. Trust me. The US Army assures the public that there is, it's going to adhere to a strict AI murder policy. Last month. I mean, can you sleep easy now? I can. Last month, the US Army put a call out to private companies for ideas about how to improve its planned semi-autonomous AI-driven targeting system for tanks. Just on private companies, how about that company that came out and said, yeah, we can build the wall for 1.5, 1.5. This is capitalism at work, baby, because straight away I'm thinking, well, if, if one company is going to come out and say they can do it for 1.5 or was it 1.6 or something like that, then surely there's going to be another company out there, probably with a whole bunch of illegal immigrants, which will be good for the Democrats because you want you want the illegal immigrants who just want to work to have a job, don't you? Actually, I, I, that's what I would do. I'd say, hey, my my company hires a whole bunch of undocumented builders. Democrats, throw your support behind us. We will build the wall for 
because you know what? We don't have to pay them much because they're here illegally. They'll work for a bowl of nachos. You know what I mean? So take advantage. Undocumented immigrants get paid. Families stay united. We can put the families up in tents at the border to be with dad or mum or mum. Equal opportunity employment and all that. And they can live together in the desert sands, constructing a border to keep their cousins and other family members out. And then they can see, they can have selfies at the border wall as they're being escorted out once the job's done. I think that would just be wonderful. Be a wonderful photo opportunity. We can have Donald Trump standing up on the wall, waving to the hardworking immigrants who built the wall as they leave the country. Don't you think it would be fantastic? I, I'm interested in solutions. I want to bring people together. I'm not, inter- I'm not interested in divisiveness. In its request, the Army asked for help enabling the Advanced Targeting and Lethality Automated System, ATLAS, to acquire, identify, and engage targets at least three times faster than the current manual process. But the language apparently scared some people who are worried about the rise of AI-powered killing machines. And with good reason. Those those conspiracy theorists. There are no AI-powered killing machines. By the way, if you're interested, uh, Google the drone which is called pegasus which flies at near space altitude can identify people by looking at the shape of the top of their head and how they walk and has what's written into the software as it can identify targets all on its own and it has written into the software something that's called a kill decision and the people who control this drone pegasus this uh, automated vehicle which flies around, like I said, at near space level. You can't see it with the naked eye. It it has cameras on the bottom of it to and you know to project like it picks up. It has cameras on the top of the drone to get like the sky, and then a screen underneath the dome, uh, underneath the drone on the belly. So it's literally invisible to the naked eye. You can't see it. It projects the the sky above it onto the ground below. If you follow me here, right? with tiny little LEDs and shit. So it flies around at near space orbit. You can't see it with the with the eye because it's literally invisible thanks to cameras and technology. It can identify targets on its own merely by mapping the shape of their head and the way that they walk. And it's got something written into the software called a kill decision, which human beings can turn off. So the kill decision is it will fly around, find a target and say, hey, I've just found somebody that I think we should bomb. Should we go ahead? <laughs> you are planning to bomb a hospital. Do you, are you sure you want to do this? Yes or no? You know, so you can press yes or no. That's the, the decision to bomb is still up to the person that's you know monitoring the drone, but you can turn that off so it does it automatically. Who's to say in twenty years from now we won't just have like a fucking fleet of these drones that are invisible to the eye and inaudible to the ear that can fly around so high that guns can't get that far. Just, just constantly flying around, mapping targets and bombing them indiscriminately. Just making their own decisions. Sure, the, gov- the government's never going to bomb people wrongly. The government doesn't make mistakes. And see, the issue here is if you have somebody physically pulling the trigger. <laughs> Rebel Heart says, well, there goes my nude sunbathing. An an unusual amount of air activity has been caught by radar flying over the top of Rebel Heart's house. (laughs) Drones are crashing into each other. Somewhere at the Pentagon, there's a a basement down in the Pentagon 
And there's like 50 guys in there going, put my drone. No, my drone. Mine, mine. <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> like teenage boys in 1980s college movies fighting over the binoculars when they're on the ladder, you know, up against the window of the girls' room. <laughs> so, you know, they might just have all of these drones flying around. And the scary part is... Um, if somebody is physically, if a human being is physically responsible for pulling the trigger or making the call or saying, yes, I want you to bomb this target, then if they get it wrong or deliberately get it wrong, you can try them for war crimes. But if a machine, which is not being controlled by a human being, gets it wrong, then it's a statistic. It's a malfunction. And there's no responsibility, right? That's what I'd be worried about. In response, the US Army added a disclaimer to the call for white papers in a move first spotted by news website Defense One. Without modifying any of the original wording, the Army simply added a note that explains Defense Department policy hasn't changed. Oh, there's a policy. Never fear that we got a policy, you know. <clears throat> Fully autonomous American killing machines <laughs> still aren't allowed to go around murdering people willy nilly. There are rules or policies at least, and their robots will follow those policies. Well, well, then there's no problem. Yes, the US de uh, Defense Department is still building murderous robots, but those murderous robots must adhere to the department's ethical standards. Yes, if anybody knows about the ethical standards, it's the Defense Department, right? <laughs> hey, we have standards, you know. <clears throat> we have ethical standards, you know. We don't just go around bombing people willy-nilly in other parts of the world. Wait, wait, do we do that? Have we been, do we do that a lot? Do we go around bombing people? Shit. Well, at, ho at least here in the United States, at least at home, we have standards, you know. We have standards. We have ethical standards. Why does this matter? The Department of Defense Directive 3000.09 requires that humans be able to, quote, exercise appropriate levels of human judgment over the use of force, meaning that the US won't toss a fully autonomous robot into a battlefield and allow it to decide independently whether to kill someone. But that, like I said, that software is built into those machines. They just have it turned off. They just don't use it, allegedly. This safeguard is sometimes called being in the loop, meaning that the human is making the final decision about whether to kill someone. The United States has been using robotic planes as offensive weapons in war since at least World War II, but for some reason, Americans of the 21st century are much more concerned about robots on the ground than they are robots in the air. Well, I'm not. Perhaps we all got scared by watching movies like Terminator 2 Judgment Day, a movie that was far more realistic than we probably imagined at the time, considering that DARPA was actually trying to build something like Skynet during the 1980s. Just on Terminator 2 Judgment Day, if you watch that now, the special effects are still amazing, aren't they? You can watch that today and still be like, fuck, that was good. Yeah, how old's Terminator 2 now? What is it, like 25 years ago? Something like that? That's when you know when you've got class in movie making. When you can watch a, you know, a sci-fi movie with special effects all the way through it and still be impressed 25 years later. The US military used drones in the Vietnam War, in Iraq during the first Gulf War, in Afghanistan, uh, in Iraq during the second Iraq War, in Syria, in the fight against ISIS and numerous other countries. 
Drone strikes in Somalia have skyrocketed under President Donald Trump, but those robots are somehow less scary to most Americans here in 2019. There you go. Nothing to worry about, though. The Department of Defense has ethical standards. Stop stop being a conspiracy theorist. Hmm. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> this, this, this show has been racially tinged tonight. I don't know why. But General Eaton's adding to the fun. <laughs> Biased self-driving cars. Self-driving cars may hit people with darker skin more often. Typical figures. Figures, doesn't it? Oh, man. Talk about, you know, robotic killing machines. What happens if they're racist too? We already know that some facial recognition systems struggle to accurately identify people with darker skin. Now we know that many of the artificially intelligent systems designed to help autonomous cars navigate roads have the same problem, and the result could disproportionately endanger pedestrians with darker skin, a troubling sign of how AI can inadvertently reproduce prejudices from the wider world. Well, I guess the moral of the story here is don't have AI cars zipping around Chicago because if you're lucky enough to not get shot in the street, then you may just be ploughed over by a robot car by Kit from Knight Rider. Michael, I see a black person. Should I engage? No, Kit! You racist motherfucker. In a new paper, publi- in a new paper published on the preprint server ARXIV, Researchers from the Georgia Institute. Wow, it's from the Georgia Institute. Those damn rednecks. Those rednecks and their racist cars. <laughs> Georgia Institute of Technology. Detail their investigation of eight AI modes used in the state-of-the-art object detect- uh, detection systems. These are the systems that allow autonomous vehicles to recognize road signs, pedestrians, and other objects. M- props. Recognize Props. They tested these models using images of pedestrians divided into two categories based on their score on the Fitzpatrick scale, which is commonly used to classify human skin colour. According to the researcher's paper, the models exhibited uniformly poorer performance when confronted with pedestrians with the three darker shades on the scale. On average, the model's accuracy decreased by 5% when examining the group containing images of pedestrians with darker skin tones even when the researchers accounted for variables such as whether the photo was taken during the day or the night. There you go. Racist robot cars. We are at peak diversity, aren't we? It says here it's a pedestrian problem. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a problem with society. See, it's not the technology that's to blame. It's your attitude. <laughs> AI car makers. The problem isn't with the software. The problem isn't with the machine. The problem is your bias and your privilege and your racism. And you need to address it. Maybe we need a movie with a robotic AI car that's, you know, best represents black people. Maybe that would be the way to solve it. Imagine Kit from the hood. Hey, what's up, Michael? Gonna kill some motherfuckers. (laughs) I don't know why it would sound like that. Yo, Mac Dog. What's cracking, Holmes? Okay, one more. Car bowling. Department of Transportation introduces padded bumper lane. What the fuck is going on? For intoxicated drivers. Hallelujah. Now we're talking solutions, baby. 
Woo! <laughs> I can't wait. Yes. Kids, grab the vodka and grab the car keys. We're going straight to the freeway. Yay! <laughs> Department of Transportation introduces padded bumper lane for intoxicated drivers. In an effort to reduce motor vehicle injuries and fatalities stemming from drunk driving, officials at the Department of Transportation announced Wednesday the opening of new highway lanes lined with padded bumpers, which have been installed on interstates nationwide for the use of by intoxicated drivers. It's really quite simple. If you're already behind the wheel and you feel like you've had too much to drink, simply veer into the special lane at the first entry point and careen safely from bumper to bumper until you reach your exit. Oh, if only it was true. If only it was true. <laughs> God, I want it so bad. I want it so much. <sighs> we never try anything. We never have any fun anymore. Damn it. Uh, gift sent through here by the Gypsy. And we are certainly here to stay. Well, Ruth isn't disappointing anybody in that regard. Mr. Hunter having a vape. Is this is this American? It looks American with the um, with the name tags there, the way they set up the name tags. Uh, is was he vaping in Congress or something? Or has that been added in like later on? It looks pretty real. I don't know. First cousins in love with each other after petition to get legally married. Well, who? We've wow, we've done some love tonight, haven't we? We've had love between lesbians who love men now, uh, love between father and daughter, and now love between first cousins. This is really debauched. We're through the looking glass, people. That's not US, the blue background. Oh, okay. Two cousins who say they are in love with each other have created an online petition calling for the state of Utah. Well, of course, would have to be Utah, wouldn't it? Oh, you Utarians. You you crazy, incestuous Mormons. Like, isn't it enough that you can have five wives? What, do you have to marry your cousin? What, are you running out of women? Maybe that's the problem here. All the Mormons are getting around with three, four, five wives, banging every chick in the city. Some guy's coming up now, and he's like, well, there's nobody left. I'm going to have to go to the family album to find myself a girlfriend. This sucks, man. And I better make it quick, because otherwise I'm going to get the ugly cousin. We can't have that. Quote, my first cousin and I have been in love with each other our whole lives, but we are prohibited from marrying in the state of Utah where we live. We believe that the law is outdated and needs to be changed so we can socially legitimize our love. Good luck. Good luck with that, bro. You know what? Stranger things have happened, though. Stranger things have happened. We've, we've been over the stranger things. The couple's goal is to get 1,000 signatures as of Wednesday morning. About 75 have signed on. Pang told CBS News she's loved her cousin, Michael Lee, since she was in second grade. Pang's father is the oldest of 12 children. His sister, the fifth child in that family, is Lee's mother. See, there's the thing. If everybody's getting around having 12 kids, it's going to be pretty hard not to have sex with a family member at some point. Half, half the fucking town you're related to. We just always played a lot. Pang remembered of her childhood interactions with Lee. We went into a closet and we were kissing and dancing together. It just felt really natural. 
He told my mum he was going to marry me. Her mum told Michael they couldn't get married, but they could be friends. Uh, just friends. Just friends. Each time they saw each other at family functions, the connection between them stayed strong. The cousins were caught kissing once by family members, Pang remembered. We got in trouble. After that, we were kind of kept apart. Yeah, that, that worked. <laughs> They're doing a lot more than kissing now. The cousins each got married to other people, and Pang had three children with her husband, but both couples eventually divorced. It wasn't meant to be. Angie and Michael hadn't seen each other in about 10 years when they both showed up to their grandmother's house last Christmas. They immediately reconnected. We felt a lot of love and missed each other over the years. We decided that we were just going to be open with our love. It was really scary to think about how our family would react because they are conservative Mormons. We thought we might be excluded. She said they received mixed responses from their family members. Their parents felt the cousin's love may threaten the family's identity, Pang said. She said her youngest child was okay with it, but her two older daughters felt it was wrong and weird. Well, there's a sign of the times. The youngest child's probably getting told of all kinds of creepy sex shit in kindergarten. Having having regular sex with your cousin is probably way down on the on the on the spectrum for the five year olds these days. You know what I mean? That's how fucked up the schools are getting. They started to come around eventually, and when we told them we were getting married, they were like, "Okay, we're cool with it." The cousins are not legally allowed to get married in Utah, but the law is different in Colorado. Ah, I see, it's the lack of oxygen. Pang and Lee went to Grand Junction, Colorado on Monday, or Colorado, to tie the knot at the courthouse. Lee posted a celebratory message on Facebook. I am now an officially a married man with a bright future. I am completely ecstatic about finally being married to my Angie. There you go. There's the happy and sick couple. Well done. Well done. No one's going to stand in the way of your love. It's too gross. Taco Bell workers fired after videos showing them assaulting customers. What the? What? Stop. 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 <laughs> I don't know if you, you guys could hear the voice of the person yelling stop, couldn't you? See, this is the problem. Um, certain, cert, certain voices when yelled in moments of panic, I think are less likely to, would you say, motivate people to the required action of the time. So, so if, if, you know, you might be a particularly effeminate man, otherwise known as a lesbian these days, you know, something might be happening. Some people might be kicking the shit out of someone across the street. I don't know if standing on the other side of the road going, stop! I'm not sure if that's going to get it done. I'm not sure if that's going to bring home the bickies. I'm not sure you're going to win the chocolates. You know, sometimes stop might be the go. Come on, stop. Stop. It's like you don't really mean it. Stop. Stop. Stop it. Stop. 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 Stop! Dude, they're not listening. They're not stopping. Stop! <laughs> they couldn't find a sex robot lesbian zombie. Not yet. Not yet. 
but we have hopes for the future. This Philadelphia couple's run for the border turned into a real dash for their safety. Brian Reese, 38, said he and his girlfriend were assaulted by employees at a Taco Bell in city centre after he complained that he waited 45 minutes for an order of burritos, tacos and nachos. Well, that's unacceptable. He probably should have shot up the joint. Reese said the employees, who didn't seem to be too busy at the time, were telling impatient customers like him and his friends that they were swamped with Grubhub orders at the Chestnut Street location that needed to be completed first. But three of the... See that, you know, people say, like, if you're at a restaurant, right, and they've got a drive-thru, and they're serving the drive-thru before they serve you at the counter, if you're... This is the way it works. If you're at the counter, you're like, they should be serving the counter first. We parked. We walked in here. We're standing here right in front of them right now. Right? And that seems reasonable. But if you're in the drive-thru and they're serving the counter people first, you're like, come on, man. The reason I'm in the drive-thru is I've got to make it quick. I've got to be quick. That's the only reason I came to the drive-thru. If I had time to wait, I would have gotten out of the car and walked into the fucking restaurant. It really just depends on which situation you're in, which is the right course of action in those moments. You know what I mean? They can't win either way. They can't win. Three of the workers apparently had enough criticism from the hungry hangry customers, prompting them to jump over the counter and follow Reese outside where they attacked him and his girlfriend, the shocking video shows. I backed out of the store, Reese told WPVI. They continued to follow me. They put me on the ground. I really don't remember too much else. Did you get the tacos? Except for when I got up, my girlfriend was on the ground being beat too. She wasn't even in the store at the time. <laughs> Ben on YouTube says that chick hits like a girl. Joe Boback, one of Reese's friends who was also at the restaurant, started recording the melee as Reese dashed outside, showing one worker holding Reese in a headlock as another seemed to be punching his midsection. That prompted Reese's girlfriend <clears throat> to try and stop the attack, leading another employee to assault her. It was such a blur because it was so traumatic to see my two friends get beat up for no reason. It was complete chaos. Ha! <laughs> and, and the cats over at Starbucks complain when, you know, they get politely asked to leave. What if you're in a Taco Bell and got punched in the fucking face? Then I might care about your problems. Then I might have an issue. Until then, buck up. <clears throat> Professional question, Boogie. Do all bin men take opportunities to play with their garbage before discarding it properly? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the little things. Got to take advantage. Bin man. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like the worst superhero of all time. And I bet you <clears throat> bin man may be the worst superhero story idea of all time, but it would still be better than Captain Marvel. You know what I mean? Wonder how long those Grubhub orders took after the melee. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Sorry, sir. We're going to get to your tacos very quickly, but first I'm going to have to wash this guy's blood off my hands. I hope you don't mind waiting. No, that's fine. That's fine. I'll wait. Bin man caught on CCTV bouncing on a discarded trampoline. Trampoline! <clears throat> you got to have fun. you got to have fun when you're a bin man. Bin man doing business. Bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. It's a long day. <laughs> In it goes. Ah, that was sad. Rock and roll. 
Bin man. <laughs> Bin man. Come together with your hands. One town's answer to reducing the number of corrupt politicians, start electing the animals. I like this already. Lincoln the goat elected mayor of small Vermont town. She beat out cats, dogs, and a gerbil named Crystal to become mayor of Fairhaven. A three-year-old Nubian goat, a Nubian princess, I might add, named Lincoln, is poised to become the first honorary pet mayor of the small Vermont town of Fairhaven. The nanny goat was chosen this week by townspeople for the one-year post at the community's town meeting day. Lincoln takes office Tuesday. Lincoln. <laughs> I, I, I'd, love, I'd love to imagine that the people who were running the other animals in the in the poll to see who got elected mayor were like, nah, Lincoln only won because of fucking name recognition. It was rigged. Of course everybody's going to vote for Lincoln. Everybody already knows who Lincoln is, you know what I mean? It's like Crystal the gerbil had no chance compared to Lincoln. <laughs> Nobody's going to beat Lincoln in a campaign. <laughs> fucking cheats. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Lincoln, with 13 votes, beat out a dog na- named Sammy that received 10 votes. The other candidates combined for 30 votes. During its time as mayor, Lincoln will be expected to attend local events. I would just love one day for Lincoln. I want to see a news report one day. Lincoln shot dead at theatre. You know, <laughs> just some farmer with a shotgun and half a goat's head on the floor. Wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be fun? Somebody needs to assassinate Lincoln again. <laughs> just for my amusement. Uh, Lincoln will ex- be expected to attend local events such as marching in the Memorial Day Parade wearing a custom-made sash. Fairhaven, a town of about 2,500 people along the border with New York, just west of Rutland, does not have a human mayor. Town manager Go- Joseph Gunter said he heard about a small town in northern Michigan trying something similar, and he thought it would be a good way to raise money for a local playground. It only raised about $100, though, through a $5 entry fee, but it provided other benefits. It was a great way to introduce the elementary school kids to local government. Yeah, that's, you think that's a great way to introduce kids to government? Look, kids, an animal can do the job of an elected official. Yay! Goats are smarter than politicians. Yay, I get it now. Thank you, mummy. I understand that. Kids are very perceptive. They learn very quickly. Excellent story. Uh, Stefan with it, carrying on his tradition of Steel Panther nonsense. What have they done this time? Steel Panther TV presents Science Panther episode 2.4. What's the science behind the Pussy Melter, which is a guitar pedal? Let's check it out. Against best advice, we'll check it out. Science Panther. Why have I got no audio here? Oh, there you go. They're not fucking real, dude. There's no such thing as Bigfoot. Bullshit. Have you ever watched the Lakers? You're talking about LeBron? Shaq has the biggest feet. If you go, you know where the Walk of Fame is? You know where the Walk of Fame is downtown? I know where the Walk of Fame is. You, his foot, his shoe imprint's right fucking there. No, big, fucking... Bigfoot is, is a big creature that nobody sees. Everybody <laughs> saw Shaq. So he's not Bigfoot. Everybody no, saw Shaq. There's no such Bigfoot is just right like, by the fucking Chinese theater. Go look down there and tell me there's no fucking Bigfoot. The Bigfoot is just a way to keep the common people scared and in line. He doesn't play anymore. And all I, and as far as I'm concerned, Bigfoot 
Dawn owns a goat in real life. Wouldn't you like to see your goat elected mayor of your town, Dawn? Wouldn't that be sensational? You should put it up for office. <laughs> you could be the goat's campaign manager. Hey, if if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez can get elected, you your goat certainly can. And if that, that campaign manager can make a million dollars under the table, imagine how much money you'll make, right? Just run it as a Democrat. Then you'll be fine. Then nobody's going to bitch. If you run your goat as a Democrat, you'll be able to keep all the money. It'll probably win. And everybody lives happily ever after. And UFOs. The only problem with having a goat on like the house of, you know, the floor of Congress is it's just going to vote nay to everything. See what I did there? How bad was it? How bad was it? All the eyes, I, all opposed, nay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Sorry. Is like a guy who says there's a party tomorrow night and there's cocaine. And I'm going to be right back with it. It's I don't a know bunch about of fucking bullshit. Nobody knows about UFOs, but there's fucking big feet all over the place. And there's other players out there that have ginormous ones too. And they keep coming. And they keep coming out of college. Like, It'd be really cool if we could just press a button. Go in an elevator, go down. If that's come real, back it's up amazing. With a pile of cocaine, just end this question. You ready? Yep. Let's go down. Boo! Get off the stage! You suck! <laughs> oh, I was going to say, fuck, oh. there's no cocaine. <laughs> the response isn't good for the comedy stylings of the goat here. <laughs> Net drag. Bad joke. <laughs> hey, what's up? Hi. We have another question from Rintandon. Rintandon? What's his name? Rintandon Skandar. What's his name? It was... Uh, Stamla. Stamla. Mike Kilber. Steph, what, what is this? Mike. Mike. <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> I don't even know what's going on, man. What are we... There's like two more minutes of this. Mike has a question it's about... It's easy to see how we screwed that up, The right? science behind the pussy melter. Are you aware of the science behind the pussy melter? Yeah. Yeah. So am I, because we're scientists. Can you tell? Obviously. <laughs> and the pussy melter, uh, there's not... There, there were experiments that went into it. I don't know all the technical jargon. No. The technical jargon. No. Um, there's, there's small, tiny little microcomputers inside. A woman's uh, vagina. Are there? Oh, good comment. See, James is ahead of the curve. He's a capitalist capitalist. Think about the extra money you could pocket for care and feeding the mayoral goat. Yes. Yes. And someone's going to have to be hired to pick up its poop. The The best part is, though, if you have a goat as mayor, we don't have to pay those children to mow the lawn. <laughs> we just let the mayor get out there. Imagine giving. Imagine the the goat, the mayor goat, giving a press conference while it's chewing grass out, out in the front lawn. Inspirational from the mayor. Well, at least he at least he doesn't talk back as much as Donald Trump. At least he doesn't abuse the press, right? How bad can he be? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I was, I was talking about the pussy melt. A lot of people don't know that the goat joke was better than this. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's little, tiny little microcomputers instead of a woman's vagina. That. We were able to duplicate um, and put into the foot pedal. Some of them, you know, on the original prototype, were he actually put, taken. They put tiny little sensors into the vagina. vagina mm -hmm. Put into the original prototype. 
but the pussy melters that you may have ordered that arrive at your at your house, they have well, they're artificial microcomputers that are duplicated. To <laughs> have you seen the Matrix? This is awful. Of course I have. <laughs> I was just wondering. We're in I'm the sorry, Matrix right now. There you go. This is like look, now, it's now like we're in the Matrix. It's like we're in a giant microchip vagina. Right now. now we're in the Matrix. Look at that. Isn't it amazing? Oh, Ben. We can go. The bad, the bad goat puns are coming thick and fast. Oh, uh, really? You don't say. Over on YouTube says, <clears throat> I wonder if there was any Russian meadowing in the goat selection. Ah, oh, boo! <laughs> you suck. Try to feel your way out of the vagina, the microchip vagina. So Dawn says. Dawn says goats are not grazers; they are foragers. They're selective buggers. Ah, oh, see. I don't know my goat. That really gets my goat. You know that? So, anyway, that's how uh, we created the pedal. And now... And now Since Oak says, they have the same background as you. I know. These motherfuckers ripped me off, didn't they? <laughs> and I ripped off the Matrix. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Steph. I think. <laughs> Craigslist. The Dildo-mobile. Hello. This mobile was created by me after a tenant who I had evicted, uh, who I had to evict after six months of not paying rent left behind 10 dildos. I was determined to do something with them, hence this Dildo-mobile. My present landlord where I live now says it's got to go out of the common garage area. It's too large for my room. There you go. There's, there's a number of pictures of the dildo <laughs> I just hope you wore gloves when you did this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love it. I love it. See? You don't have to get angry if somebody leaves 10 dildos in a place you move in. You could still be creative. Again, I asked, I posed the question, why was it so difficult to decorate the moon when the aliens constructed it? Look what we can do with nothing but a couple of wires and 10 dildos. See, that's, that's human shit right there. That's why humans are the best. We're electing goats as mares, we've got racist robotic cars, and we're making, we're making art out of dildos. Utterly fantastic. I think I've posted this one before. It's worth another look. Oh, you're talking about the dildo one. And the last entry, Procrastination Station. <laughs> shitty old, aka a shitty old desk. Are you in need of a designated... You have to do it like you're reading an advertisement. Are you in need of a designated area at which to not do things in your life that need doing? Boy, are you in luck. I can't keep it up for the whole thing. In addition to the standard desk features like top, bottom, and sides... <laughs> Standard desk features, top, bottom, and sides. <laughs> this particular command center equipped with a built-in excuse feature. The bottomless drawer is guaranteed to lose bills you can't afford, homework you don't understand, and divorce papers you aren't ready to sign. The other drawers are perfect for hoarding popped bubble wrap, bent paper clips, fast food receipts, 
inexplicably, inexplicably sticky cough drops. Yeah, why does that happen? Why does that happen? See, I would keep cough drops in my work bag, and you know, you, I only I only need them when I need them. You know what I mean? So I'm not sucking them down. I'm not popping them like you know pretzels, uh, Pringles. But if I want a cough drop, a cough drop, I want them there. And so the first time you open a packet, you take one out and it's like, mm, good. And then you put the lid back on the bottle or if it's a bag, you wrap the bag up all nice and tight. You put it back in your bag. And then like three weeks later, you're like, oh, I'm a little horse. I, I could use a cough drop and you stick it in there and 50 of them come out. And it's like one, it's like an everlasting gulp stopper. And you're like, how the fuck does this happen? Surely, like maybe we can coat the cough drops in something to stop them sticking together. Something, do something. I mean, we've got racist robotic cars. We've got people making dildo art. Why can't we come up with a non-sticky cough drop? Can anyone anyone explain it to me? Who's working on this? We've We've got AI killing machines being built by the government, but nobody can come up with a cough drop that doesn't stick to all the other ones? Please. Where's our priorities as a civilization? Surely we can do something about this. This travesty, this injustice, this mild inconvenience. Our treasures have been cleared and cleaned to make room for yours. For the most excellent price of free, you can get in on this sweet, sweet action. (laughs) Leave this beast in its raw form to lend legitimacy to your anthropology faux-found decor or slap on a few coats of pastel Annie Sloan and some live, love, live, laugh, love decals to assume your rightful place as a shabby, chic Pinterest legend. Well done. Well, well done, sir. Tremendous wordplay. You hold the power. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, it's already outside. Out front and ready for loading. No awkward human contact required, except for with the friends that you bring with you in the truck that you will need. It is startlingly heavy, like spaceship heavy. I'll delete the post when someone has stopped procrastinating long enough to pick it up. Keywords, desk, time travel, elephant, Inigo Montoya, presidential pardon, beat beat poetry, mime. And here is the command center in all of its glory. Look at that. Again, I've got to say, I really love these little, these Craigslist things because it's, it's, it's something that somebody just has done just to make us laugh, just to make us smile. Instead of just throwing away a desk, somebody is, has gone to the, to the bother of typing up this little piece here, having a bit of fun with it, and then putting it out there into the universe just to make other people and maybe have a slight chuckle anonymously just for the sake of it, just for the betterment of human, of human society. They are the unsung heroes of the modern age. I tells you. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of another free-for-all. Thanks so much for joining us. Ducks Regionist, Tracy and AK, Kimmy Jong-un, Desiree Girl, Poppy Lane, Deborah, Kimmy Boyd, The Doc, General Eaton, Stefan Sears, Ben K. Veritas, the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, ladies and gentlemen, James R. Who else did we have? Mike, Dawn, 
everybody else. Thanks so much for joining us. Anybody I might have forgotten. I'll be back on Sunday night with the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com, ladies and gentlemen, on TAV Show. Trust and verify. And by the way, since since we're talking about YouTube and stuff, thanks again to everybody who subscribed to the YouTube channel. There's also a YouTube channel for Trust and Verify, and hopefully, you know, you'll you'll subscribe to that as well. If you just put TAV Show in the search bar of the YouTube channel, you'll find it. Um, please subscribe. Sin soaked. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks everyone for supporting the show. So we'll see you on Sunday night with the owner and CEO of TAVshow.com. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of this show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to fill a jar full of pee, test out a racist car or sell me a procrastination station, get in touch on Twitter. Follow me at boogie bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.